Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? The Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Here we come with episode 262, wherein Graham McMillan and I throw down a three-hour sonic gauntlet, but hopefully in a charming and relaxing way. We talk a lot about Aquaman the Motion Picture, the perfect Batman movie, DC joining Comixology Unlimited, The Green Lantern number 3 by Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp, the Asterix graphic novels, Divergelder volume 2 by Hiroki Samura, and much, much more. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lesser! Graham McMillan, hello! Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good, yeah. I'm not gonna complain. Complaining is so, uh, so 2018, you know? Like, what's is, the point is in it? that? Yeah. But so I do I do already we're taking a diversion and I apologize profusely whatnot. Um I do the, the like what happened on the internet this week mm-hmm. column for Wired. And last week was the first month for twenty nineteen and I swear to god I meant to go into being like twenty nineteen it's a new year, everything's different and honestly by the end of the introduction I was complaining. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I, I, there's certain, I get it, there's a certain amount of complaining, but you know, one of the things that really struck me that I was thinking about today, and maybe you disagree, maybe your experience will prove to be totally different from mine, but as I'm sure you remember, like, the, the end of 2015 rolled around, and people were like on the social medias going like, oh, God, like 2015 kicked my ass. Like, oh, it's been a hard year. Oh, I can't wait for this. Set this year on fire. And maybe I'm wrong. Oh, gosh, maybe it was yes. also, I don't remember if it was 2014 as well, but I definitely remember 2015 people being like, oh, God. And then. 2016 people were like oh oh jesus what happened to us god why and and i have to say what was great by the end of 2018 i just didn't see a lot of that you know what i mean like there was just i don't know if we're just all toughening up a bit you know what i mean like it's i don't get that that or everyone has learned because it's true like 2015 2016 and i think even 2017 yeah people People were just like, oh, thank God this year's over. Like, it can't get worse. And then it did. Yes, and that's it. I feel like it did such a good job of getting worse that nobody – maybe they feel it, but either people aren't going to tempt fate again by being like, oh, my God, this year was so bad. Christ, I can't wait to put it behind me. You know, now everyone's like, whoa, 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 you know. (laughs) But I also think there's a little bit of the – I mean, it's no one's going to mistake us for hardy Russian stock anytime soon. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of people on social media were like – by the end of the year, they're like, you know what? Just fucking let's get on with it. You know, It's like I'm not going to complain about it. It's not going to do anything for me. Just – just I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're a little tougher. I don't know. You know, arm room – I say that we had two podcasts uh, so far this year, and I think I, you know, uh, complained uh, during the part where I wasn't, you know, openly fighting with you. So who knows? Maybe I'm completely, <laughs> completely wrong. But Wait, uh, the, the, hmm? I look, I think this whole fight thing from last week was overrated. 
Mm-hmm. God damn it! I no, I'm pu- I'm putting that behind us, Jeff. No fighting. We're on the same side, and that side is comics. <laughs> you know, I was kind of hoping we'd spend a lot of time talking uh, comics, maybe even comics news if needed, but certainly a dose of comics. And I have to admit, I sort of have a comics movie I want to talk about. So, wait, um, not Spider Man? No, oh, Aqu- we should Aquaman. Talk about- yeah, I saw Aquaman. I saw. Aquaman. I didn't. I still haven't seen it. Oh my God! You haven't seen Aquaman, Graham? What the hell? What I the know, hell? It, Honestly, I've got to be honest. There's part of me is like it's. I, I feel like it's passed me by already. Mm. It's it's only been out for. I mean, has it hasn't been out that long? Has it been a month? Yeah, it feels, even? yeah it's nah, no, it's not a month because I want to say it was like 21st of December yeah, or something 21st like that. 21st of so December. Like, like it's been three weeks or something. But honestly, <laughs> I, I well, I had I had this conversation with people at DHR where I feel that like because that came out and. What else? Bumblebee came out the same weekend. Right. And maybe Mary Poppins came out that weekend as well. Right. And like the holidays happened, you know, immediately afterwards, like mm-hmm. the Tuesday after that. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people, and maybe it's because like I work, you know, adjacent to that industry. Yeah. That after Christmas, everyone was like, yeah, those films are over. <laughs> like, you know, they all, like they hadn't been out a week, Jeff. Yeah. And people were like, yeah, okay, let, moving on. Well, you know, that might be the case for for uh, people in your field, and I kind of get that. But if I remember correctly, and I swear to God I was reading this on my phone, and I feel like I half-blabbed about this last week, uh, there were a number of movies that w- that went up in terms of yeah, Aquaman is one of them. Aquaman yeah. has been like remarkably successful. <laughs> so, so part of me is like, people, people are still seeing these, like, you know, um, and, and so I think I, I can see why it's over for you. I personally, Graham think that a, you should see Aquaman on the big I, screen, I, I on the big screen. To, like yeah, seriously, ev- everyone, everyone yeah. I know who's seen it has basically said a variation on that. Yeah, they're like, a. It's a fun film. It's like it's never going to change your your world, but it's a fun film. And b. It's a film that you should see big. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 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 bigger the better, because uh, it is. Um, I I gotta tell you, man, that movie. Uh, it's uh christ you know i mean it's 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 a little bit like huffing paint you know what i mean like you're you've definitely hurt your brain by subjecting yourself to it you you walk out like i'm convinced like they could give us iq tests before and after and you fucking score lower after watching aquaman it does hopefully not permanent brain damage but really 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 close that said graham i heartily recommend you huff paint and then see it on the big screen cuz i think that is that is the way that it was meant to be seen like it is it is like get your hands on some sort of drugs and then go see it because I I was so, sitting there. So you're like, I, like you're you clearly sound like you liked it. Like mm-hmm. for all that you're you're going like it feels like huffing pain. It, it like it's it I feel stupider. I I'm also sensing that you enjoyed it. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, how do I put it? It uh, there there are a number of things going on with it that i think are amazing and i do not know let's put it this way i think 
much more of it is down to the director than I would have thought. And definitely the visual design team. So, cause there, there is shit where it's, it is, it's, it, it's gorgeous. And I mean, like, just seriously, you know, you know how we'll talk about comic books and I'm like, yeah, I, I buy it for the art. Like Aquaman is like a buy it for the art comic book movie. You just go there and there's shit that he's doing. And the thing, so the two things that I really dug that, you know, is one, um, the performances, uh, are for the most part, not camp They're And they're so not camp that they could well be camp. But like, I'm kind of stunned that Patrick Wilson, who is, uh, like a good actor, um, you know, in what I think of as a sort of traditional, contemporary good actor kind of way like he he really fucking committed to like yelling uh exactly he he was like i know what this film is yeah well no but i mean there's the i know what this film is like when you get like a classic performance like jeremy irons in in the dungeons and dragons movie and Mm -hmm. and or uh you know and then you just get like I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but it really is. If you see it, there's the sort of shit where it's like the actors aren't quite good enough and then that's camp. And then you get the actors who are good and then it's, you know, and again, I feel like sort of the touchstone for us trying to decipher this. The Rosetta Stone is, you know, the 1980s uh, remake of Flash Gordon, right? You know, it's Mm -hmm. like Topol's a good actor. He knows what he's doing. Brian Blessed really knows what he's doing. And, you know, Max von Sydow, also a good actor, is just, they're like, yeah, I'm, I am into it. People are going to know that I'm having a fun time. And, you know, I am, I'm in the entertaining stage of things. Um, and one of the things that really kind of shocked me about Patrick Wilson as Ocean Master is he is not, he's, he's not, He's not playing it as a joke at all. Dolph Lundgren, who's in the movie, and I, I honest to God, couldn't recognize because his hair's colored red. And I mean, it's been a while since I've seen him, but he's got a beard. I kept going like, God, it, that can't be. I originally thought that it was <laughs> Sam Jones from Flash, from the original Flash. Oh Gordon, my God! Which I thought they would have choice though. Right? I, I was like, oh, that 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 makes sense. Except I was like. Sam Jones got good, you know, but it's Dolph Lundgren and Dolph Lundgren. I don't know how to describe it is playing exact like the, what the director wants from them. Um, they really committed to, and, and it was, it was surprising. I thought, Hey, I thought that was surprisingly effective. Uh, it, just in the sense of it's, it really has been a long time since I've seen guys who, um, you know, like really did kind of commit to that stuff in, in a way that just didn't have like very consciously had a level of modernism removed from it. And, um, they were, they were really going after it. Like it was Shakespeare, but I don't know how to describe it. Not, not in a hammy way, but the other thing that is amazing is the visuals are amazing and they're great on their own, but they are also a, uh, they are such a, a love letter to like eighties fantasy cinema. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I walked out of the movie being like, 
geez, I should see that again to see if I can find the Kroll reference because it's <laughs> it's in there. Like by the time you get to the end of Aquaman, it is far fucking closer to Dune than you than you would think. But like Dune it's is just such amazing, big influence on there. Dune's in there, Tron's in there, like you know, of course, shit like Star Wars is in there. But I mean, it's it's just it's visually fucking loaded and and ultimately uh i should say actually the guy who plays black manda isn't bad either in that sense of um he's taking it absolutely seriously but he's also kind of not it's you don't get the sense that it's because he's not a good enough actor to add layers sure you know so it's it 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 really in that sense is remarkable i mean but the the script is like Honestly, it, I, it was, if only they had hired, like, if they just had had, like, one-twentieth of the imagination and wit that the visual production and design teams brought to it in the script, it, it, I would be a lot more, um, uh, day, uh, praising with faint damnation, I suppose, rather than, you know, damning with faint praise, because it, because it, because it is it is terrible it is the only time i've i've swear to god you know my my wife and i have been dating since 2001 basically and it is the first time i've ever heard her groan aloud in the theater at a line of dialogue like involuntarily <laughs> like somebody said something she was just like oh you know like and it was it was it it was a cumulative effect, Graham. It wasn't like, oh, that's just a one-off. Like, she had been taking bad dialogue fire for such a long time that she just... That, it, that eventually she it, she had to... She it, went down. She couldn't steal off. She couldn't. She, she absolutely couldn't. Yeah, she they pinned her down, and then they just picked her off with it. Uh, so that's bad. Uh, there's no, like... There's no human beings in the movie. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, but, but, characters. You know, but... Everything, everything I've heard about the movie, uh, and you're you're like very much fitting into this. Mm-hmm. Is uh, this is a great film if you're looking for visual spectacle and something overblown, but not looking for character. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's just it's very, very, very odd. Uh, in that sense. So I, I did, I walked out of it. I was like, that's okay. In a way, it sort of reminded me of when we were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, which is, you know, which I maintain is a terrible movie that is still entertaining, right? You know, I think Aquaman is, for me, less terrible than Bohemian Rhapsody somehow, but it is still, um, very. Oh, I, you, you say that, like, Bohemian Rhapsody was, was a bad film. Yeah. Like, again, not to say that I didn't leave the, the cinema like having enjoyed it but right. it's 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 clearly a bad film yes um i've got to be honest one of the reasons that, that um i didn't go and see aquaman again is i had such a high from spider-verse yeah 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 i get it i do get it that, that it was kind of like yeah but you know do i honestly do i want to go from you know i love this film this film is such a great superhero film to oh that was pretty you know, I agree. Uh, I think one of the things that is, is interesting, the way that it contrasts, cause I, I was a little trepidatious about it at all, uh, as well. But I think part of what makes it work is, is that it is, and I'm sure you've heard this as well. Aquaman is not really a superhero movie. 
Like it's yeah, I, yeah it's, someone told me that. I can't remember who, but the, that was that was basically the argument as to why it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far over the scale, but it does. It, what really helps about it is is that it is very much an underwater fantasy movie. And I, and I got to tell you, one of the things that I find fucking fascinating about it is the it's I almost feel like people we should take the we should make you know sort of the the way that um people say like oh for god's sake stop remaking the good hollywood movies like remake the bad ones you know mm-hmm. it is like take the comic book characters that don't really work very well in the comics and make a movie out of them because sometimes what doesn't work about them in the comic books are precisely what makes them work really incredibly well uh in the movies and maybe part of that is because when you get someone like aquaman and it's just like oh oh my god how many times can this dude like somewhere how many times can this guy lose the the kingdom of atlantis you know like that that guy is like i would not trust him with the keys to my car but you know it's like oh now i'm banished now i'm exiled now i'm back now i'm the king forever and one oh now the kingdom's been destroyed oh, i've rebuilt the kingdom hey but now i'm exiled you know and it just goes on that little wheel uh like aquaman it was always kind of hard to you know for me as a kid i remember being like eh, you know the he was such a again to time into flash gordon it was such a like fantasy it it was a superhero comic for good stretches of the time but everyone was aware like there's only so many dudes that you can punch on a boat and it just doesn't seem that interesting right so you get into the mythology of atlantis or the land under sea and then you kind of to me sort of start running into the problems of like yeah but who really cares about fantasy kingdom you know what i mean and of course clearly some people can care about that and and some people can make you care about it but i just feel like for superhero comics it's kind of like i sort of want to see him punch someone i kind of don't want to see him on a boat it'd be kind of cool if there was a whale involved like maybe topo can do something cool and (laughs) and instead you know so anyway kind of like with dr strange where i was sort of like once the once you kind of depending uh, if you don't have someone with a strong enough visual sense dr strange can kind of be kind of a dull ass comic uh but like really successful as a movie i would like to think we'll see how the next one rolls along similarly aquaman was i was like well this is great it's you know like maybe in the next movie they'll have him like jumping out of the sewers and punching a bank robber with a with a with a seal i'm okay you know but but for what it was i didn't really think of spider-verse at all and in fact there were a few there were just like two or three points where someone like like uh uh, uh amber heard's character mara is like you know says something like you know but you can inspire people after you defeated steppenwolf and saved atlantis it's just like oh god don't oh, why did you say that like it really was like this involuntary gag reflex for me which is i know apparently i'm alone because i remember the last time i raked justice league over the coals there were so many people on twitter who were like Justice League was fine. 
it was fine. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Jeff, you're overreacting. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. I like you and respect your opinions. How can you be so wrong on this? You know? And, um, but yeah, so when they said Steppenwolf, I was just like, no, please. And also I was like, God, don't have a, don't have a cameo. Don't, don't have a cameo. I hope there weren't two after credit sequences because the one that no, I, I did I'm, see. I'm fairly sure there's, there's just the one mid credit sequence. Yeah. And that one was just like, uh, it's is that like, not just like straight up setting up the sequel? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, honestly, I tell you what, I don't think it was setting up a sequel. I think it was setting up. Um, well, maybe it is, but I, 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 I if you well, ask it's me, it's not. Should I do a spoiler? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, yeah, like okay, people. Is it not Black Manta and Doctor Shin? Yeah. It, oh, right. It is right. It's Black Man and Doctor Shin. Right. Which yeah, part so of me is there's, like, there's, yeah. There's no external influence mm-hmm. there at all, right? Well, no. But I mean, I have to say, just the fact that Black Mana was was rescued and his stuff was fixed up, I kind of had that moment of like, uh, I, I'm still very edgy after the whole Injustice League. Uh, wishful <laughs> oh, thinking post credit yeah, yeah, sequence. But, but let's be honest, we're never seeing Justice League 2, Jeff. Uh, so I think I think you're safe. Yeah, you know, although I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, Justice League almost made its money back, right? Or or maybe even turned, like, a small I, profit? I, I want to say, I, yeah, I want to say it probably did turn a small profit. But yeah. nonetheless, we're never seeing Justice League 2, Jeff. Mm. Mm. H- Henry Cavill's going to be gone. Ben Affleck's going to be gone. What are they going to do? It's the Aquaman Wonder Woman team? Dude, those two, those two have outperformed Batman versus Superman. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, well, I mean, why not? That's what DCU film yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and that's what I'm saying. So it's like yeah, the people I don't, don't I, care. I, just, I think we're just not going to see Justice League two. I think yeah. they'll, they'll just. I think they'll do something else. I I I think they'll they'll do something that'll sort of have it be like a soft rebooty type situation yeah. for like a much lower budget. And then it's going to be, you know, uh, Jason Momoa and Gil Godot and everyone who is contractually fucking obligated to show up in it. And then and then you sprinkle in, you know, the Injustice League doing the Legion of Doom thing. And then maybe you actually have like either you don't use Batman and Superman. They're they're off doing some other thing. And, you you know, Jeff Johns is like, ah, this is the time for me to pull in, you know, uh, Stargirl and Stripesy the robot or whatever. You know, like, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I'd watch it, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm just like saying <laughs> like part of part of me is, is like, you know, whenever I get too jaundiced about this sort of thing, it's like they made five planet of the apes movies you know like and well, that's the, the other thing is like you've literally just finished saying makes movies out of the comic book characters that don't necessarily work in comics right so i feel like you can't then turn around to be like yeah then it's going to be it's not even going to be the real justice league they'll have fucking star girl and stripes in there and i'm like is that actually making your point no well <laughs> and that's be a better film? and that's what i'm saying i'm not i'm not i'm not actually complaining i'm not in any way excited to see either you know i i certainly wouldn't want to see a justice league movie uh, uh with like technically with Henry Cavill or Ben Affleck in it, but you know, I didn't, everyone else in the, in the, in the justice league movie 
you know, I don't know, apart from like Steppenwolf, I found largely unobjectionable. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, okay, sure, why not? And I'm not even saying, don't get me wrong, I am not lobbying for, you know, Justice League 2. I'm just saying, like, part of me is like the DC, you know, the DC Cinematic Universe keeps kind of, it's not firing on all, uh, hold on, let's wait for this phone thing to stop okay it's i you know it's like the just the dc the dccu or d squared u or whatever the fuck they're calling it like it's not it's it's not clearly it's not firing on all cylinders but it's not necessarily out of breath yet you know what i mean oh, no, and I so mean, when, you, when you look at what they have literally yeah. in the works like mm-hmm. like um the birds of prey movie that has the hilarious title is going into production like next month. Is that what is it? Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, or Harley? Uh, Birds Birds of Prey, or the Immaculate Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, it's the Birdman joke. Right, right. Yeah, I suspect that'll get changed by the time it it hits theaters, but we'll see. So, um. Yeah, well, right. So, I mean, they've got stuff like that. And for me, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, DC is, because it still has the times where it doesn't shoot itself in the foot, looking at something like the Avengers movie, they're like, we, we, we gotta do, we, there's, somehow we can make that happen, you know? So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be Batman and the Outsiders in 2024 with, you know the new Batman, who is—I don't know. I, yeah, exactly. I, I literally can't even think of like a random person. Yeah. Ben Wishaw as Batman. Ben <laughs> that would be great. I would totally go for a Ben Wishaw Batman movie if it was a two-hour and ten-minute movie, and the two hours and five minutes were Ben Wishaw moping around the mansion I, it's, and it's made by um the guy who makes paddington as well oh god paddington or let's face it don't you think that wes anderson could make an awesome batman movie like you know oh. yeah it'd be the best it would <laughs> no, be the best I, I would but i would like to see like a wes anderson uh i'd see a wes anderson shazam movie what no you wouldn't nobody yeah. would that's terrible <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you know, like no, I, I one, no, I one hundred percent be more into that than a Wes Anderson Batman movie. What? Why? Because Wes Anderson Batman sounds like the worst idea in the world to me. I, okay, first off, Wes Anderson and like he would love just. Uh, first off, I don't even know if you would even see <laughs> Batman in it. Like I said, it's just, but just imagine Ben Wishaw as Bruce Wayne slash. Batman, and you you like never see him like as Batman, but you have lots of tracking shots of him around like Wayne Manor, while like all sorts of you know awesome movies, uh, music from like the '60s and the early '70s are playing, and Bill Murray plays like Alfred the Butler, and the two of them all they do is like squabble. You know, and it's yeah. It, this is literally everything that I imagined when you said it was. I'm telling you, it's no. so 
fucking no. good. And then you see all the villains. It's it's it's. I admittedly, it's like, a little closer I can, to Batman I can hear, 66. I can hear like the Kink soundtrack right now. Yeah, oh. as like you know, Bill Murray as Alfred runs down the corridor because yep. the bat signal's gone up. Yeah, but like Batman, like Bruce Wayne's sulking about something. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I can I can imagine the whole thing. Like the long shot as he's running. But yeah. that's yeah, I, that's just it. I can imagine the whole thing. I don't want yeah. to. See Gotham it. City looks like nothing but like a neat little like model like it's all it's clearly artificial and you've got the little thing over the sunset and then you got like edward norton standing on rooftop with a pasted on mustache as commissioner gordon being like no no it's a painted on mustache oh uh, oh that's clever that's like a reverse i think i think whoever they would get to play the joker but i mean again the talent that he attracts like william defoe playing the joker i just don't understand graham you just hate fun like it would be i do i do i hate fun you're 100 right you're right i I hate it Uh, i hate it mm, fun mm, i look at fun and i'm like no fuck you yeah fuck you exactly fuck you wes anderson and fun i have to admit that i don't know if i would be so because of course i i like i'm like yeah this would be perfect i'm like it all go wrong of course so many so many ways like once they're like, well, man, I've got to be honest. When I said, when, I keep saying I've got to be honest tonight. I don't know why. Um, when I saw, when I imagined Ben Wishaw as as Batman, mm-hmm. I honestly was imagining Ben Wishaw, but then he does the Hollywood getting overly jacked thing, and I was just imagining oh, Ben Wishaw's tiny little head on this Hulk body. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. No, I just, I think, I think that it would be. Uh, Again, because I saw him instantly in the study. Because I don't know, Graham. I know you work in the entertainment news industry, but you may not be aware the final season of Gotham is uh, it's is, happening right now. Yeah, is is underway. Is underway. And so perhaps it was all the scenes that I saw of the kid playing Bruce Wayne, like in that one living room. I was like, yeah, I can totally see Ben Wishaw there, and kind of like. You know, oh, talking while like, kind of sticking at his David thumb. Mazuz, whatever his name is, could totally grow up to be Ben Wishaw. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just kind of that thing. of Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, Bruce Wayne likes tweed. Wes Anderson loves tweed. Like, it can Wait, just... It's Bruce just Wayne gonna... likes tweed? <laughs> well, on Gotham he does, you know. Tweed and, like, sweaters, you know. Um, I don't know. If, Did You, if, you stopped if, watching we... Gotham after, oh, like, season so much... two, right? Yes. Did yeah. you see the episode where he falls in love with his teacher and Alfred nope. also falls in love with his teacher? Nope. And I'm so glad. <laughs> well, actually, this is actually the plot of Rushmore. So I was lying. So you're actually okay. <laughs> I wish I hadn't. I wish I kept it going because I was like, okay. But did you see the scene no, in the fourth season? I 100% would have believed you. 100%. Yeah, I know. It was. I was like, fuck, what else happens? And at the end, he's like dancing to her to like the faces. Yeah, no, it's because uh, uh, part of me is like, oh God, I'm a, or his sister. You must remember his sister, and she's a playwright. You remember this part, right? Like, uh, I would how, be. I here's the thing about Gotham. I would not put it past Gotham to introduce a Wayne sister. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I could lie right up until I could lie and just and uh, up until the Life Aquatic with Steve Sazu, and then and then and then you'd be like, no, okay, why would Bruce become an ozonologist, you know? And then I'm like, because he finds out his real father is no, no, like but, an oceanographer. But, but again, I could believe that of Gotham. Yeah, actually, of any show that you could believe, it really would be Gotham. Oh, Gotham. Oof. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, so. so wait, but are you still watching Gotham, really? No, no, of course not. No, I, I think I stopped watching at the end of season two. And then Edie told me stuff that, um, about season three that, uh, I tried to get her, um, to go to rehab. And then it apparently, then I read it, read stuff on Wikipedia and it really were plot points from season three. So it just, it just sounded it, bad. It's it sounded, a, it's an amazing show. Shoot. It, at some point it's going to all be on Netflix and I'm sure, sure there'll be a point where I will just like, rip through it mm. i i am oddly excited for the first season of krypton to show up in dc universe and and, and rush through that oh yeah it's because just what i've heard about it mm-hmm. makes me convinced that it's either going to be a show that i will love mm-hmm. or a show that i will love to watch and go what is this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um but no uh, gotham gotham got to be too much yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand because, of course, I threw in the towel on it and that's why it's kind of painful that I can't continue to lie my way through it. Uh, I, I also find myself kind of intrigued. Like, Graham, I don't think we, we've never, ever, I think, ever discussed it except in a sort of passing way. But, like, I have never watched an episode of Riverdale. Have you? Yes. At more I than watched, one? I watched. Uh, I've watched probably half of the first season on Netflix and would watch the rest, except like, you know, I got distracted and just haven't gone back to it. Uh huh. Um, and from everything I understand, it just gets more insane from there, which is really impressive. Right. Because it starts at a pitch of what if Twin Peaks plus 90210, but weirder. Right. Right. Which I gotta admit, part of me is like, I should check that out. And then I heard it kind of sort of, went down and kind of became a little more standard from there. And then they kind of like got the crazy back and season oh, yeah, two has just yeah, been the crazy. Well, we're on season three now. Right, right. So I, but I have not been paying attention to what people have been saying. Is season three and season three is still proceeding with the crazy. So. I, I, I believe so. I yeah. believe season three is, is, is still absolutely nuts. Well, season two brings in black hoods, of course. Right, right. Which is just, man. You know, I mean, there's so much stuff where I hear about that show where I'm just like, ah, boy, I, A, I should be, I should be watching this and also kind of, again, kind of in that way of like, huh, Roberto Guerra-Sacasa's comic career never really seemed to take off until he started writing comics in other media, you know what I mean? And then, and then it was gangbusters, you know, so it's, it's just goes to show you, um, very strange, very strange, and I'd like to, I'd, I would like to tune in and check it out, but have not yet. So I just, I just realized as long as we're running down the list of, of, you know, um, potentially terrifying, craptacular, entertaining stuff, uh, Riverdale seems to get mentioned uh, of that ilk a lot, and I, and I haven't seen it. And we've talked before, I know, about um, Legends of Tomorrow. Have you, have you revisited Legends of Tomorrow? Oh God. Since it has become the most camp over the top show on television i have not i have not uh did i tell you about adam nave convincing me to watch and i i like the show but i was i hadn't watched the most recent season mm-hmm. and i i was uh talking to adam nave and adam nave made the point you've got to watch it because it's the best john constantine i've seen in a long time huh. here's the weird thing he's right hmm 
for for all that John Constantine does not fit into that show, mm-hmm. the incongruity works for the show, and also for they're surprising, but they're surprisingly um, subtle and insightful on Constantine's character. Huh. Wow. Despite the fact that, you know, it's, I mean, it's literally a show where, you know, here's a gag where all the characters are in ABBA, and then... They go to Woodstock, but Woodstock's got a unicorn that's killing everyone with, a, you know, <laughs> a, like literally, like that. Those are plots, yes. and I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, that's yeah, the plot yeah. Episode. Right, right. Um, but you get this, you get Constantine in there, and they're doing like really nice character work with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I, and subtle character work. Huh. I, you know, I give it a shot, but I have to say the the first twenty minutes. Of the first episode, I just had to turn it off. I just couldn't. Oh, I, I, it's a completely different show now than it was in the first season. Right. Like 100% different because at some point they leaned into how ridiculous it was and then they went further. Right. So now it's pretty much openly a, a, a sitcom. Oh my God. That, what? that, that, occasion, that occasionally has like dramatic moments, huh. but is also, Without doubt, probably the queerest show, definitely the queerest superhero show, like around. Wow, really? But but yeah, I mean yes. Hmm. Um, but also like one of the queerest mainstream television shows in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird show, Jeff. <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. I gotta say that all sounds uh, surprisingly tempting. It, 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 it's what, and also the, the cast just like changes considerably. The cast is significantly different now than it was in the first show because they just keep dropping characters. Wow, wow, that's uh, that's crazy stuff. Uh, I I feel like as long as we're we're on this crazy ride, uh, uh, Titans over on DC Universe. I. I don't. I was not paying attention. Was it? Is it like a really short season? Is it over? Is it still it's going? It's over. It's right. over. I want to say it's like eleven episodes. Uh huh. Um. It's again. You know, you're 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 right to bring it up around like Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's it's it does strike me very much as like the Riverdale of superheroes. Mm. Uh, I told you that I saw the first two episodes in in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I I was blown away by how much i like them yeah you said that and I, I i gotta say like part of me was um uh it's not that i didn't believe you i guess that it just sort of sounded like you um you know sometimes it's, it's like when you see like a a movie with a great audience on opening night and you're really oh, yeah, sure. No, no, it, right? no, so. no I, I totally understand. Um, I have seen the third episode since I, like I, I, again, just haven't watched the other shows. Um, and I still like it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very much, I mean, again, it's very much a show that appeals to a specific audience. Mm-hmm. And it's very much a show that is trying to do a very particular thing. And as such, I don't think you're that audience, and I don't think you want to see the thing that it's doing. Okay. Do you mind uh, unpacking that? Because I'm fascinated. I feel, I feel that it is aimed – I'm trying to think of a good way of saying like it's aimed at the Tumblr audience without saying it's aimed at the Tumblr audience. Hmm. It's aimed at like the audience that – in a strange way, it feels like it's aimed at the audience who actually watched Young Justice when it first aired. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like that generation, mm-hmm. um, who are now in their like late teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. and who enjoy things like Riverdale mm-hmm. and enjoy to an extent the faux transgressiveness of seeing Robin say fuck Batman, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a camp element to it, mm-hmm. but like Riverdale, there's a camp element that is somehow amplified and simultaneously undercut by like a really odd realism mm-hmm. that sits really oddly with the camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mix is genuinely strange. It, it Trident Titans is an incredibly funny show. And funny in ways that it makes no sense. Hmm. And, and it's, it's that sense of humor and it's that knowingness about it mm-hmm. that I think there are a lot of people who will just get angry at it, hmm. get irritated because it's not quote unquote respectful to the characters or for that matter, really respectful to the original comics. Right. And just out of curiosity, do you think that's who I am and why I wouldn't like it or, or um, not? No, it's no. That's not why you wouldn't like it. I think you wouldn't like it just because I don't think you have the particular taste that it's it's aiming towards. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're particularly reverential to source material in that way. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think you'd be particularly interested in what they've changed it into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, that sort of jibes with my take on what I've seen. So I I I'm inclined to agree with you. I just think that's uh, that's quite interesting. Uh, it's, I, I'd be curious to see what you make of it, but I would be lying if I said I thought you'd like it. Right, right. Well, I'm, I have to say, uh, honestly, when, after seeing that trailer, I was like, ooh, Graham is gonna hate this. So when you were like, I loved the first two episodes, I'm like, huh, interesting. Oh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like the trailer. And the trailer is not representative of the show. Mm hmm. Like, mm. it, it's, in that sense, it's a really bad trailer. Mm hmm. But but you still, by the same token, haven't really made time to watch more than the first three episodes. I mean, you know, which is totally not like, believe me, I know how busy you are and, and, and well, there's no, no, not that, a lot that, of stuff you've had time it. for. It's, but it's, it's, but it, that's just it. It's not like that shouldn't be read as like a judgment on the show. Yes, right. Um, because it's not. It's genuinely not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more to do with like, I'm just... I mean, other than The Good Place, I can't think of anything I really have kept up with recently. Right. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't read into that. It's just also... It's, it's This is an odd thing to say. It's also partly that I don't have any great affinity to the Titans as characters. Mm. Yeah, I believe that. I yeah, totally well, believe like, that. Especially I, that cast. Or I, that, I are in there. Right. I, they're by far the characters I like best out of the comics in the show mm-hmm. and I strongly uh, uh, I strongly responded to their their portrayal in the show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, despite like Minka Kelly's appallingly bad wig um, it yeah, Jeff, it's terrible. Um, By the way, if you have trouble with wig work, I, I, I should mention I should roll it back and mention that that Aquaman, all that visual inventiveness, like I wish they'd put it into the script and not hired like a hobo off a street corner to do the wig work in Aquaman because 
nobody makes it the uh, like Amber Heard's like hair is um is an is is a mess is a nightmare uh aquaman's dad in the flashback sequences looks like a cat fell asleep on his head it's just it is not it's really bad anyway i i realized i forgot to mention that for people who are like i'm thinking about going and see it but ooh wigs mm, it's a deal breaker for me but yeah so um that's like i'm saying all that and i'm also like yeah but honestly like in the first episode because i don't even think she appears in the second episode first episode starfire mm -hmm. uh is the thing i responded to really strongly yeah you made because it again it's the sense of humor there mm -hmm. um they're, they're doing a very particular thing with what they do with starfire mm -hmm. and in lots of ways you can go oh that's you know problematic as shit but there is a particular moment where she uses her powers for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's set to I Feel Love by Donna Summer. <laughs> and there's something about that moment that is thrilling. Yeah. And it is is so funny mm -hmm. and so shocking mm -hmm. in a way that like nothing in the Marvel movies has come close to. Well, you know? Sure. But it's like that it's like Okay, I don't know what this is, but I want to go further down this road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I got I I feel like at at the risk of uh of really putting myself uh in a bad situation, I will admit that when I was in uh Reno close to Christmas, I was hanging out with uh my nieces who were uh, as you know and the listeners of the podcast know are six and four and uh the troll movie was on TV. And I have to say there's a uh such a similarly thrilling use of Donna Summer's I Feel Love in the Troll movie that I I actually think that it might just be You're like you're like it's Donna Summer. Yeah, I have to say yeah, I mean I Don, love Donna, Donna Summer's I Feel Love anyway. So I just part of me is like, yeah, that's like can't miss. Like you really like, it's it's set in, in the Titans, to film and, to it. Yeah, yeah, in the Titans first episode, it's particularly good because or at least for me, because it's one of those things like you know the song but you don't know know the song if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's playing in the background of the seen for the longest time and i'm like what is this song what is this song and you know there's a confrontation happening right and you know you're, it's one of those things where for me at least my concentration was simultaneously you know i'm paying attention to and interested in what's happening on screen but also what the fuck is that song what the fuck is that song <laughs> like you know that's a great baseline like what is this yeah, like it's right. shit and then the use of the powers happens as the chorus comes up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, right? I, I, as soon as you said it, I'm like, yeah, that's a smart choice. Yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. such a good chorus. You're mm -hmm. like, shit. <laughs> uh, and, and again, like, spoilers, but it's the first episode and, you know, the entire series is out by now. Um, Starfire, like, Starfire's first use of the powers in the show is that she outright, like, murders dudes. Mm-hmm. She outright, like, just, like, slaughters three people wow and they do it in slow motion mm -hmm. she gets someone shoots at her and she essentially like flames on mm -hmm. as the bullets coming towards her and then she sets fire to all these people mm -hmm. and this is happening in slow motion as i feel love is playing yeah 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 which sounds that's great just, i gotta say that's pretty funny yeah mm -hmm. right yeah uh, and, and so that is one of the things we're like oh okay 
fine. This is again, this is weird. I don't know what this is, but it's really interesting mm-hmm. and like it's funny and it's it's smart and it yeah, there's something just about that that won me over. So more than anything, Titans makes me go, I can't wait for Doom Patrol to start, mm-hmm. which is February, I think. Like so, yeah, right around the corner, right? So there you go. That's that's what I'm saying. That is that is uh, that's amazing. This I gotta say, this is this conversation has gone places I did not think that it was going to go. Uh, I do want to mm-hmm. say quickly, so jumping off the the Aquaman thing. Did you read Kelsey DeConnick's first issue of Aquaman? Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I did. I did. Did you? Yes, I really liked it. Oh, you clearly did. Uh, it was awful. That was really. That was. I was. I was I was really fucking bored by it. I did not dig it at all. Uh, oh, I I thought it was I thought it was good, and also I thought it was good as the, like the tie into the movie. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you clearly don't agree. No, uh, I I gotta admit I don't. I I felt that. Um, yeah, no, I I well, I mean, let's put it this way. I read I read her issue like two or three weeks before um uh before i saw the movie of course because i i think i got it you know read it like the day or day after it came out yeah Yeah, yeah. exactly and for me it's so funny because uh reading g willow wilson's wonder woman like i can read that and i'm like oh this is definitely you know crafted in the wake of the movie and trying to hit some of the same similar notes for the movie like there's ways that she's writing the characters and so maybe if i went back and and reread aquaman i'd be like oh yeah uh uh-huh but i was just like "Eh, it's just it's it just it just struck me as really blah i i'll have to go back and read it because honestly right now i'm i'm hard pressed to remember anything that wasn't on the preview pages. And I think that that's, I felt feel like that's just because, you know, because I read the preview first, I read them twice. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I'm glad it worked for you. I really had that thing of like, God, we're going to have to talk about this or not. But, you know, I was surprised by how turned off I was. It, um, yeah, it, it just did not turn my crank at all. That, that's really interesting because I I liked Willow's first issue of Wonder Woman and I've I've been growing increasingly cold in that book. I have too. In fact, the is it she's four issues in, maybe three issues in. I don't remember. Three, I think. Yeah, I think it's three. But like I read the first one and thought it was like, oh, I thought that was good, and then somehow like slept on the second issue and the third issue came out, which I picked up, realized it was the third, went back, read the second. And by the end of the third issue, I was like, I was also sort of similarly cold. Again, part of me is like, oh, I can see where she's going for, uh, like I said, the voices and the scenarios. Like that third issue has lots of scenes about, you know, Wonder Woman jumping around and saying stuff about war and saving innocence, which it seems like a smart move. And you've got, you know, Steve Trevor being sassy. But it's really um, surprisingly... Um, what's the word? Especially three issues in, um, really poorly paced, and in, in the sense that I'm like, I don't get what the stakes are. I don't get what the sense of 
jeopardy is and and not just in a oh this has to be personal but i also tell you one of the other things that i thought uh which threw me off is so the first episode first issue has um uh and spoilers i guess for people i don't know i don't think that it's really a spoilery thing wonder woman steve trevor they're in a war-torn country steve trevor gets shot down wonder woman goes in behind enemy lines to save him and ends up fi finding Ares uh, returned, uh, freed from Hades and, and returned to Earth. The thing is, is that Ares is now um, wants to turn his back on war and wants to perpetuate justice. And, and sort of for the next couple of uh, Wilson's issues, the idea of what does what does Wonder Woman stand for? In this sense of she's a warrior who wants pe who wants justice, but also wants peace and what the difference is in that. And part of me is thinking that Wilson herself is going for a um, a, a thing of uh, of shit uh, of trying trying to sort of untangle um, something about the nature of war and unfortunately i feel like as things go on she kind of to use the, the the parlance of the times screws the pooch on that but also at the end of the first issue when aries takes off his helmet i mistakenly thought that it was steve trevor and the idea that yeah. steve trevor had been possessed by the spirit of aries i was like oh that's a really solid hook you know what I mean? I was like, mm -hmm. that would be a really kind of like, I mean, you know how it plays out, but Wonder Woman's in this situation of having to deal with, you know, her arch nemesis in the body of Steve of Trevor. And also because Steve Trevor is a warrior, it does make a lot of sense and is another way to. And so when it turned out that that wasn't the case and instead Steve Trevor had been captured by a bunch of, you know, rejects from neil gaiman's traveling sideshow i was like you know yeah there, there's just i think honestly i think the problem is that willow's uh reach is exceeding her grasp hmm. i think i think she's got a lot of like really genuinely interesting ideas going on mm -hmm. but it's just not coming together for me and the more the story goes on it feels like the focus is going yeah yeah, like I kind of part of me really it was one of those things where I felt like was wondering if maybe she it ha hadn't had enough development time when she took it over and it just things weren't fleshed out or maybe she was getting really conflicting messages from her editor because well, th there's also worth bearing in mind that she got seriously sick just after the she it was announced she was doing it. Mm. So it's very it's very possible that like there there wasn't the development time that should have been because she couldn't work. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that that I guess that would make sense. All I know is I found myself kind of going like, eh, you know, it was kind of a bummer because I I enjoyed that first issue enough. And like I said, I kind of had that moment like, holy shit, I'm actually buying, you know, the DC Trinity, you know, it's like I'm buying Superman, I'm buying Batman and I'm buying Wonder Woman. Uh, and and I feel like all of them are about two issues away from me being like, ah, maybe not, you know, so. Oh, I, I uh, as you do, I get the, the like the previews for next week's DC books. Right. Um the next issue of Superman, 
Uh, is I really liked. I really, really liked better than I think I've liked any of issue since like issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, are you up to date with that or not? Yeah, I am. I I want to okay, say so, I so say you, great. Yeah, you know that issue six ends with yes. with John coming back. Right, the startling reveal. So issue seven is like the explanation, mm-hmm. and it is at once really straightforward and. It doesn't, it's really not that it zigs when you think it's going to zag. It literally, like, zags. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's something about the way that Bendis does it that I found, re- like, remarkably refreshing. Hmm. Uh, so, so you get to the end of the issue and there's the, you know, the quote-unquote cliffhanger. Right. And it's what I think everyone has been expecting for six months at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's the way that it's delivered. Mm-hmm. That I was like, okay, I'm I'm completely on board. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, it, it's as close to being like, well, duh, as you can expect. Huh. Interesting. You know, hmm. and and it's like, oh, sure, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. God help me. I feel like I'm I've <laughs> I've been so far away from, or I'm so outside the scope of superhero comics that I'm just like, yes nodding and like i have no idea what he started i don't know what he might mean honestly ever since <laughs> ever since one what? of the listeners pointed out on a thread that uh that the whole thing with with john and jor-el reminded them of what happened with nathaniel richards and franklin in ff i was always kind of like oh i god i can't unsee that now so you know what i mean so there's part of me that's like i don't i i just I, honestly i'm like yeah i know i have no idea what you mean graham i just don't i can't i don't know where they're going out well no because it's it's pretty much that ah okay all right uh it's well you know uh john comes back and he's he's significantly older mm-hmm. and Bendis explains that away like really straightforward and really quickly mm-hmm. he has lois and clark both make all the references you expect them to make and jump to all the conclusions you expect them to make uh-huh. only only to quickly be like no it's not that at all like mm. it's it's this other straightforward thing mm. and then it ends with with the uh, i'm not going to give the cliffhanger away because i think again, that's fair i don't think you should it's yeah. cliffhanger mm-hmm. that like everyone has seen coming mm-hmm. but it, again it's the delivery of the cliffhanger where it's it so doesn't play it as a surprise. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It literally right. plays it as it is that thing you've seen coming. Mm. Hmm. Like you were all right to be to think this, hmm. you know, and 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 manages to make it bigger because of that. I don't know. It, it it's just it's a very well done issue. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh ha. Huh. Well, I gotta say. I want to say I wish I was on that train. I just honestly like everything you're saying. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's, I've gone from two issues away from dropping that to maybe one issue away from dropping that, which is which is such a shame. You know, um, I feel like I feel like maybe I'll end up reading some of this stuff or I'd be better. Like, let's put it this way. I've moved from being interested in picking up the books every month to being really close to, I will definitely pick I'll up that trade. Yeah. When it hooplas. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's Space God makes use that we should talk yes, about. Yes, absolutely. D- DC and Co- on Comicsology Unlimited. Yeah. That's a big deal. 
That is a that it's is a big, big deal, deal right? Mm-hmm. And also, I sh- I will tell all of you what nuts. I totally broke embargo on that by mistake. <laughs> did you? Oh my god! Yeah, I really did. Oops. I got the email and it was a uh, we're going to but this is going wide at one o'clock and I didn't see that. Mm. I instead just looked at the press release and the press release had for immediate release. Mm-hmm. And I because I, I didn't read sense. the opener, right? I was like, I can just talk about it on Twitter, right? And it was only afterwards I was like, oh shit, I broke embargo on that. I feel like that, it that couldn't be, have been much. Like, it was only on Twitter. No, oh, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't run the story. Right. But um, – and honestly, I think I broke embargo by like maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, that's what but, I was going to say, yeah. But still, like, mm-hmm. oops. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I did get in trouble, so they can't be that mad. And, right. and you know, the PR people um, like clearly saw the tweets. One of them favorited the tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, I was like, "Oh no, right. <laughs> oh this this is the thing I you don't want to do." Sure. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but no. Not, so yeah, so so Comicsology Unlimited now has DC Entertainment. Yep. There, they now have like I think they have everyone, right? They have Marvel, they have DC, they have Image, they have Dark Horse, they have Boom. Yeah. They have dynamite like i think they have all the the major u.s publishers they've i think so i mean they've got they've got a wide span and uh for those people who who are listening um uh graham of course will fill this in for people who have uh like kindle unlimited uh they have access Uh, it's yeah it's everyone who has kindle unlimited comicsology unlimited or prime reading yeah i don't even know what prime reading is but there's um you now have access to dc material interestingly enough it seems to be different material for different platforms yeah that i sort of feel like that would not necessarily surprise me um Um, and it seems but it seems to be different formats as well mm -hmm. it it read let's see do i still have the press release um, I, I maybe I don't. Let's see. No, I do. Okay, so it is. Uh, Kindle Unlimited will have a selection of single issues, collections, and graphic novels. Prime Reading will have curated and rotating list of graphic novels, and Comicsology Unlimited will only have graphic novels. Uh, gosh, I don't think they have that right. No, that's not true. Okay. No, uh, Comicsology has single issues, collections, graphic novels as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I I should uh, mention to other people uh, is that if you do, because I mean, here's the thing: the one reason why I am surprised, not surprised, is if you've listened to us before. Hoopla, which if you're in the United States is available through your library or hopefully is if they've if your library is partnered with Hoopla, as as many have. Uh, DC is crazily good about putting their trade collections on Hoopla. Uh, yes. Mul- and, and not only their not only their trade collections. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I currently have from Hoopla is the Crisis on Infinite Earths Companion Volume One, oh, wow. which is like a, a hardcover of like fifteen odd comics. Wow, yeah, yeah. So they it it is there, there's a way in which uh, if you if you do if you do have Hoopla, the DC Comicsology Unlimited thing might be a little um, uh, seem like a, a little underwhelming 
But um, I, if you have Comixology Unlimited, the other thing that amazed me is is that DC is extending that 15% uh, discount, right, that uh, that Marvel oh, has. That, 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 that's not on, on any of the press releases, so I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, let me, let, me, let me jump over there and make sure that that's right before I, before I talk too soon. Because some people offer 10, some offer 15, and some people don't. Oh, but any sort of discount is still amazing, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, hold on. i got to sign in to actually find out if that's true. Because uh, I'm like, but, yes. but one, you know, but you know, to, to to sort of fill time as you're doing that, yeah. you were saying that you know, if you have hoopla, maybe this is disappointing. But if you're thinking of Comicsology Unlimited, mm-hmm. no, yeah, like having all the major publishers is an amazing get for them. Yeah, like I I saw in response to my tweet, I saw a number of people being like, well, now that they've got DC, I'll sign up. Yeah. And, I, and not, honest, yeah. not mm-hmm. because they were like, I'm I'm a hardcore DC fan, but because they're like, well, they have everyone now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally get that. Uh, yeah, 15% uh, Comixology Unlimited discount, which matches the 15% discount that you get off of Marvel as well. So, um, you know, that's that's actually pretty good. Other other smaller publishers offer a 10% discount, which I think makes uh, sense. But but both DC and Marvel. And that's the one where I was very surprised because in a way, part of me is like because DC has been um, really I don't want to say aggressive isn't the right word, but they are clearly committed to, to Hoopla as a platform. Part of me is like, well, yeah, at that point, why not put some of your stuff on Comixology Unlimited well, or through Amazon and at least get but, but you know, here's, money from it? Here's the, here's the thing where I think is actually happening. Mm-hmm. I think what it is is I think DC Universe is the is the changer for DC because mm. for the longest time DC resisted any sort of like subscription streaming service right model at all mm-hmm. and I think because there is a selection mm-hmm. on on DC Universe mm-hmm. and because it's a a limited and also updated on a regular basis selection. Mm-hmm. I think someone at Warner Brothers or DC has decided, but we might as well put stuff on other platforms as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it 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 could be. It certainly it certainly makes sense. Um, but yeah, they're they're certainly making hay of it. But because um, I think when you and I were talking about Comicsology and Hoopla and a few things, you know, as we do intermittently, but I think the last time we did, uh, a, a whatnot in the comments thread point in a comments thread pointed out quite rightly that part of the reason why they um, picked it up, uh, why they keep Comicsology Unlimited is is for that 15% discount, and depending on the amount of uh, comics that you buy in digital, particularly from the the big two where it is a 15% discount, uh. You know, you can cover the cost of that essentially every month. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. And also, I I would love to see the figures. We never will see the figures. I'd love to see the figures as to how much that bumps up purchases. Yeah, I I part of me does wonder. And I mean, it could be totally wrong. It could turn out later that DC was like, yeah, they're fucking Amazon, and they pressured the shit out of us. You know, well, I mean, and, think of, think about all that Amazon Marvel stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that Marvel swears is not them. Yeah, right. So, so are, are we going to start seeing like dollar DC books? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but like there were twenty five cent uh, Marvel comics uh, recently on both Kindle and 
uh, uh, comicsology. Uh, admittedly, no, single issues. Yeah, single issues. Admittedly, they were single issues of Marvel's Golden Age comics. So you could pick up like the Golden Age Captain America Masterworks or the All Winter Squad uh, individual issues for like twenty cents, twenty five cents a pop, or you could could pay like two dollars and fifty cents for the the Masterworks. So. Which honestly, considering how skimpy some of those masterworks are, I think you you actually get a better deal if you buy them for a quarter a pop per issue. But oh, um, okay. But I, I don't know if those sales are going on. But I do wonder. Part of me does think that maybe you know Amazon sat down and was like, "Look, we got statistics here that can show you that that once they joined Comicsology Unlimited, you know their sales went up digitally by." you know, whatever, four and a half percent or something, you know, and, and DC's like, uh, okay. I'm just, A, I'm, I, for a while when I looked through it, I was kind of like, God, I thought that, I thought that DC had a stronger launch line on Comixology Unlimited than they did in, in the DC Universe app. So I'd be they, they, it goes. they did, if you're looking for like the big names. Yeah. Uh, they, like the the Comicsology Unlimited launches line is is ridiculously strong. Yeah. Um. But one of the things about DC Universe is it's like it's weirdly targeted, Jeff. Yeah, that's what you've said. Uh, like it's yeah. re- it's really like we're promoting what the media we're promoting is, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No. So sure. like you know, week of Aquaman being released, they had. A, deep dive on Aquaman stuff. Like when Titans was running, they had a weirdly deep dive on like Titans and Ark and Dove stuff. Right. Um, now the Doom Patrol's just a couple of weeks away. Like they've, I think they've got all of the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol up there. Wow. Um, you know, it's, so it's that, but, it, but they do cycle through it mm-hmm. super quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's never going to be Marvel Unlimited. Like they clearly don't want it to be Marvel Unlimited. No, I know, which is again part of the reason why I went from like, oh, get this app, don't want this app. You know, like it's not. Well, no, exactly. Like yeah. it, it's very much like it's, it's, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying like it's not for us. No, I, you, you said as much, I feel like the last time that we kind of discussed it. And I, and I get that. It's, that's fine. I don't understand why they're doing that. I think it's kind of silly, but you know, sure, more power to them. If nothing else, it well, leaves well, a when stage it comes to Jeff that, like, yeah, but also the well, there's two things. One, it probably gets around the concern of like retailers complaining, which I don't really think is a thing now. But DC's yeah. always yeah. ridiculously unshy about that. Right. Uh, and the other thing is that I think. DC and Warners have decided that there's more money outside comics fans at this point than there is inside comics fans. Like, the, you know, it, it's not worth building an app to appeal to existing fans because existing fans will have already bought this material. Well, I sort and, and, of and see your like, point, but I'm... For people who are watching the movies and the TV shows and right. everything, like, then, then the app is for them. Right, and, and I know that I know that they would right. probably violently disagree with that characterization. Mm-hmm. They definitely want to portray it as this is the app for the DC fan, no matter where they are. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I, I like honestly, as as a DC Comics fan, mm-hmm. this isn't an app for me. I, yeah. Or rather, it is because I like watching all the cartoons and stuff on it. Like right. you know, it's got Superman the movie. That's great. It's got the Justice League cartoon. That's great. Right. It's got like filmation 
Batman and Superman shows. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, you know? Um, like I said, it's, it's going to have the Krypton on it. Right. Great. But I, you know, I, it, it's rare that I'm reading comics on it. Cause again, if I'm reading DC digitally, I'm probably reading on Hoopla. Right. Yeah. Well, so, and I, I see that, but I actually think that, you know, as we, as we've talked about, uh, Marvel Unlimited has, I think, a, a relatively canny way of, um, accentuating or at least building, leaning towards building their library toward whatever their hot or properties that they are trying to build heat for. Um, you know, and, and admittedly, I, I sometimes wonder if that's more, um, uh, whether that's a, a, a conscious marketing top down strategy or a people who are big, you know, who work at Marvel, who are big supporters of the service, using it as sort of a bottom up justification strategy. But mm-hmm. but either way, I do think that there's uh, like Marvel Unlimited for me has really scratched the surface of what I think is possible for presenting a gateway experience for the new reader and or curbing like it's it's big enough for everyone and so the idea that it's kind of like oh yeah we're doing it this way but we don't want to do that i it's like i kind of get it but part of me also feels that it's a it, it just boils down to money at some point the dudes who are spending a dollar 99 on every issue of action comics from the seventies when it drops on. Oh, sure. Sure. I, 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 yeah, I 100% agree. But at the same time, one of the things that Marvel Unlimited has done for me is it's killed. It's essentially killed me buying Marvel comics mm-hmm. because I can wait six months. Like, right. you know, honestly, I think the only Marvel series I'm buying on a uh, contemporary basis is Immortal Hulk. Right. Right. Which I you know? get, yeah, 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 uh huh. And I mean, it's it is it's sort of that way for me. I run, I kind of go cut both ways on it. Um, you know, weirdly enough, when I got the Comicsology Unlimited discount, uh, I was like, oh, I, I'm getting a fifteen percent discount on this. I could read it in six months, but I want to read it now. Clearly, you know, I read comics and have poor impulse control. You know, let me get this and just not tell Graham because then he will chastise me. But, you know, <laughs> it's it's it, it's very much I, I see the I see the advantages. Uh, I, I see the advantages for that. And, yeah, I think that Marvel is I just don't know that. Honestly, of course, I none of us really know what what Marvel's game is with Marvel Unlimited. I just sure. think that. You know, as we've talked about, for good or for ill, um, it's it's a it has been a pretty great resource. And part of me, you know, wishes that DC had it. I can also see where DC's like, we're not killing the golden goose. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I I think you're right on both counts. Mm-hmm. I love Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. It is it is an amazing resource for me in particular mm-hmm. because there are times where I have to like, you know, research X story for THR or something. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. Like mm-hmm. that stuff is literally at my fingertips. Yeah. Um I wish DC had as well, but mm-hmm. I can also see why DC doesn't want to kill back issue sales. Yeah. 
I I do too, but part of me is also very. I like. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I'm. It. It's. It's. It's intriguing. And of course, you know, I'll be fascinated in six to nine months to see what happens with Shonen Jump and Viz as a result of their of their switch, which is like Marvel Unlimited, but almost more crazily aggressive. You know, uh, yeah. in that sense, since there's so much day and date stuff. So. Uh, yeah, Comixology, DC being on Comixology Unlimited is big news. Uh, usually we say this. I know there's a lot of people who listen out, outside the U.S. Definitely check and make sure that it's available for you. Like some... Yeah, I'm fairly sure that Comixology Unlimited is international. Uh, I'd like, yeah. I, I'm making like the... You know, fingers crossed, because like I, I'm, I'm like ninety five percent sure it is. Yeah, I, I'm but that five percent could could screw me up. So who knows? Yeah. Well, and so I've heard really good reactions to it from people who do not have access to Hoopla. But yeah, a few of those people are people that are in kind of weird, half in, half out. Uh, situations, I guess. So, so yeah, it could. It's, but it's, it's a big deal. It's a it's yeah. a win for DC and it's a win for Amazon. At yeah, least. I think so as well. I think I think so as well. So pretty pretty big news. Uh, and yeah, definitely one when I saw, I was like, oh hot damn, and also kind of like, oh, we should be talking about this. And I will be very curious to see what kind of what kind of follow up we we get from it, if any. So, a couple of of pieces of, of other comics news, one of which you may not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Smith died this week, the Judge Dredd artist. Yes, I saw your tweets on that, which is... And you may or may not know that Batten Lash died today. Oh, shit. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. damn it. I'm so sorry to yeah. hear that. Yeah, which is really sad. I, I met him this summer. I told you that, right? Well, I don't or think maybe, you did. Maybe you didn't. Yeah, no. Because uh, obviously he he was married to Jackie Estrada, mm. who runs the Eisners. So mm-hmm. when I was I was doing the Eisner stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I actually ate dinner with him. Mm. Mm. Um, and he was he was I, 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 incredibly friendly, incredibly generous person to talk to. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was a lovely night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Bad and Lash, for people who don't know, is a, or was a, a comic book creator who did Supernatural Law in yeah. the in nineties. Yes, Wolf and um, Bird, right? Wolf and Wolf Bird. Wolf and Bird, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and went on to do a lot of, of stuff for Bongo Comics, actually. Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. Was a very good humor cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was married to Jackie Estrada, the, the, who, who does the Eisners. Um, yeah, he apparently passed away today. Ah, that's horrible. I did not hear that. That's a, that's a tremendous loss. Um, yeah, and, and Ron, Ron Smith, who, who did, um, the Judge Dredd for for a lot of times. On Twitter, he called himself a sem of of, of British comedy. It, it's it was one of those things where like he was never my favorite, but he was also so part of of my my childhood mm-hmm. that like it really it really did hit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like he was ninety five years old or something. Yeah, he was like uh, he was really young. Old. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, was really yeah. old. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Still. but still. Uh, very much a loss that's that's really a shame well thank you for breaking that news to me graham geez uh i'm sorry jeff (laughs) hey at at the risk of pivoting because a i do think uh, uh, we keep talking about 2000 ad and part of me feels like there would be no better way to sort of talk about 
uh, it seems like such a good segue to talk about Green Lan- the Green Lantern issue three, um, which I assume you've read already. Uh, I have. I read. I read this week. Mm-hmm. I'm actually weirdly behind on a lot of comics, but I read Green Lantern three because I saw a lot of chatter about it. Right. Uh, and I saw a lot of chatter basically being like, "Oh, I knew that." Grant Morrison was going to write Hal as a cop, but I didn't think it was this kind of cop. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. I mean, I, I I'm I'm really fascinated. There were a few people that I saw on social media who were kind of like, I feel like issue three is the issue where the Green Lantern really clicked for me, which is interesting because I felt like a lot of people were kind of down with it. Um, on, From the, I, yeah. I feel- I feel like the first issue, everyone was like, oh, this is great. So it's very odd to see some of those same people being like, oh, it's finally clicking. So it's like, Wait, what happened? <laughs> issue two, like, reverse your opinion? Maybe. Like, I can like, kind of see that in a way with issue two. But, uh, but yeah, issue three is, um, wow. It's, it's funny to me how, on the one hand, I, I mean, at the risk of leading, and you can then turn around and, and cut me off the knees, I really loved so much of it and i thought that it was such a great um it was such a a specific love letter i think to green lantern especially uh and this has happened before with with morrison before but i i think that this is the time where this issue felt like his super wrapped up with a bow love letter to the DC Silver Age comic book covers uh, um, of Green Lantern. Because, like, every, as it really gets firing on all cylinders, just about every other panel seems like it could have been a cover of Green Lantern back in, like, the late 60s or early 70s, where you're like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, I've yes. got to pick this I, I, up. I've got to be honest. I found a lot of issue three off putting. Mm-hmm. But for that very reason, mm-hmm. for the, for the fact that there's not, like, there's such, um, an operatic level of dialogue. Yeah. That it doesn't read as dialogue. It reads as, like, cover blurb versus cover blurb versus cover blurb. Yes. And, and the flow is really, really choppy for me. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, see, and, and so this is, this was, you, you, you kind of beat me to the, um, you, you kind of beat me to the punch. Cause on, on the one hand, I was very much like, wow, like, you know, it's, it's, you, you've got Green Lantern. And, oh, and also, so it's simultaneously the Green Lantern covers of, of the seventies, but also, the 2000 AD SAS to me. Like, there's a lot of stuff where at certain points I was kind of like, this, this almost feels more like, like Morrison doing a, what if Judge Dredd got the Green Lantern ring than sort of any sort of recognizable incarnation of Hal Jordan that I know? of yeah and well no exactly like the the, i feel issue one had like a almost parody of hal jordan yeah exactly yeah and and, but like issue three like 
that's no Hal Jordan we've seen before, especially the end. Oh, completely, completely. The ending, in but it, but it is. You're right. It's very dread. Yeah, yeah. So, so from from uh, from the cover, which I feel is this amazing intersection between dread and and again Green Lantern, specifically the covers or the DC Silver Age. Um, and yeah, as it goes on, so part of me is like. It does uh, so so. Hmm, how, how to put it? In a way, it's it's the uh, it's it's the thinking man's version of Aquaman the movie. Like I really found myself being like, wow, the 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 interplay between the influences is is really fun and kind of startling and a real change up. But I also found it. Um, like 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 weirdly empty and i don't know if that's supposed to be the experience because like you said it's not the hal jordan that we know and at three issues in like i don't know if that's supposed to be intentional or not you know like i don't know i don't i so i i talked to morrison before the first issue came out right and from that interview morrison definitely seems to believe that he is doing the traditional how that's not true he's doing a specific how and the specific how is the how of the silver age yeah and he seemed to believe that he was being true to that yeah which is which i don't think he is i like, don't think might, so he might either think like he might he might believe he's being true to the how but i don't think that's true mm-hmm. i think i think if anything he's simultaneously backtracking to the influences of that how mm-hmm. and then extrapolating out from that specifically in the direction of how people considered authority uh police figures now mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i can't read issue three without thinking that it's his response to the contemporary read on the police hmm. uh interesting that's that especially is... that that end yeah Oh yeah, no, 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 no. That end is so layered with like how, like, like almost part of the 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 the. Oh, I've got to read issue four now. Is almost like the. I don't even really know how to interpret the end of issue three in that. Exactly. Sense, like, you know? like, is I, I I had this moment of like, is this a a really bad taste joke? Mm-hmm. Is this a cliffhanger that we're supposed to read that something is wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, is this like like what what is this what does right. this mean going forward right because if it's not a plot point mm-hmm. then what that means for Hal Jordan is genuinely stunning yeah. yeah not least of all because DC let someone do that to yeah. you know a, a noticeable franchise figure yeah 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 well i and i kind of think that that's his I kind of feel like that's his point. I I personally think that that Morrison is kind of turning the sock uh, inside out to kind of shake all the lint free and then pull it right side in again, you know, to kind of be like, by the end, we're going to be like, ah, here we go. But it is it is fascinating to me. It's either that Morrison is. Yeah, there's just a lot that's going on there that, again, is kind of a. I don't know how to take it and maybe is a good thing because there's a way in which as much as I did enjoy the inspired um, 
abandon, I suppose, of the rest of the third issue, I also kind of am not sure that it's sustainable. So part of me is like, oh, I, I kind of hope this is where the where the screw turns. But there's also a way in which I'm like, I don't know, I don't know where I don't know where we're going here. And I and and you're right. I do think that Morrison is. Be, in part because he spent so much time in his interviews kind of playing up the, yeah, it's space cop. I'm playing cop procedural, you know, and in space. And a lot of people kind of uh, neener neenering it on uh, on social media, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah, how great that our great rebel has, you know, I mean, it's in in the hands of someone else like you know if this if the if green lantern issue three had come out the green lantern issue three had come out and chuck dixon's name was on the title i would have a different belief or interpretation about what that ending might mean but well no exactly like if if that had come out and it'd been like even someone who theoretically shares morrison's proclaimed political leanings mm -hmm. i think if it honestly, I think if it wasn't Morrison, mm -hmm. that end would have people up in arms. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know, and there's something really strange about the fact that people are like, "That's Morrison, it's genius." Right. And there's like, there's genuinely something disturbing to me about that issue. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's there there is there is a lot. It's just the ending ends up being a capper, but. But for me, well, also all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's true. I mean, there's a. Like the ending, very much. The ending is like so extreme, like yeah. dramatic extreme. Again, one us, we're not telling you the end of the book. We're not spoiling the end of the book. Yeah. But suffice to say, it is something that is, for me, genuinely shocking. Mm -hmm. Like that last page is genuinely shocking. Yeah. Uh, and it is shocking in a way that, like, I can't believe that's a print. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I and. Yeah, we'll we'll see. And, and that's it goes. not to say that it's, that's not to say that like I didn't uh, appreciate it, quote unquote. No, or or I didn't like the issue. Right. But it, there's something there that I'm like, huh? Yeah. That's where they're going with that. Yeah, and you kind of almost can't believe it, but it is. It's a it's a it's a it's a big. In that sense, it's a big twist. The sense to which for me it doesn't land is again, like you said, there's no sense of of that's not the that's not any Hal Jordan we know. But like I said, I don't really feel like there's much of a sense of who Hal Jordan is. So as as shocking as it is in in a larger way of what they're of what Morrison might be doing with the character or how the conception of the space police that he's talking about it's very uh um it it, it is clearly designed to to shock and provoke but at the same time part of me felt like it I felt like it could have landed better if I had had a, a more grounded sense of who that character is you know so i don't know it's we'll see where it goes but i did think that it was kind of like ooh, i can't wait to talk to graham about this because part of me is there is a way in which part of me is like huh maybe he you know if 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 morrison is really leaning 
into the the dreadisms um you know we might end up with a stronger a darker take on green lantern that may be a little um uh what's the word uh, button pushing, I guess. I mean, clearly, but 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 a little. No, no, no. I I, I see what you're saying. Like that, you arguably end up with a more interesting character and a more dynamic character, and a, something that really does something new to the Green Lantern concept. Yes, while at the same time changing your relationship to that character yes. significantly. Yes. Yes. No. Very. Very much. Yeah. So. Um, there, there's, there's really something. I mean, it, it's, and I say this as someone who really likes Green Lantern and always has. Mm-hmm. There's something very exciting about the book in yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I've got to be honest, the fact that Hal Jordan is not my favorite of the Green Lanterns. Like, if you did this to like John Stewart, right. I would, I'd actually be much more upset. And and the the militarization of John Stewart over the last like ten, fifteen years has been something I've been upset about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But doing it to Hal, I am not um, particularly uh, protective of that character. Right. And yeah. so I'm like, sure, that's a that's an interesting way to go with him. Yeah. Which is which is a, a I think really fascinating. B I almost find it impossible to believe that it would stick. And interestingly enough, in the course of us being like, I can't believe they fucking did it, and you know. Makes sense to me, but I also feel like we're 60 some odd issues into King's Batman, which, you know, seems to sell uh, very well, alternating between giving people like kind of big fan moments that you may or may not want, and also a lot of stuff that is very, um, you know, uh, 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 triggering to certain Batman fans, I guess, you know, um, I was kind of curious if you had read the most recent issues of King's Batman as well as Batman annual three. I haven't read annual three and that's entirely on me. Hmm. Um, and I want to, cause it's Tom Taylor and, and I love Tom Taylor stuff. In fact, I want to talk about Tom Taylor's Spider-Man in a yes. second. Yeah. Um, but I have read the most recent Batman's. Okay. Uh, and I love the Mitch, I love the latest issue, the Mitch Garads issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, in on, honestly, predominantly because of that art. Yeah. Because because writing wise, it's astonishingly slight, mm-hmm. but the book just looks fucking astounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like just amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, I have you seen King talk about like this current arc in Batman that essentially is all meant to be disorienting and done in once. Like it's it's meant to be like snippets and and that they don't make sense, mm-hmm. which on one hand maybe I'll appreciate more when it's done, mm-hmm. but also feels like a, a an excuse to be lazy for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like when someone's like it's meant to not make sense, right? That's like a big warning sign for me. Uh huh. Because mm-hmm. it's like okay, but but why though? Mm-hmm. And again, you know, by the time this arc is done. It might make sense. Like it might make sense that it doesn't make sense. Like it might pay off. There might be there might be something that makes me go, oh sure, I feel like I learned something in that journey. Mm-hmm. But two issues in, I'm like, these are 
okay done in once. Mm-hmm. Like the Garaz issue, I think is amazing, but it's honestly because of Garaz. Yes, and and I actually thought the issue before I think it's the issue before it. Yeah, the issue before it uh, was actually very well done um, in a lot of ways. But sadly, most especially if you haven't seen the Batman the Animated Series episode that it is quite similar to, uh, that I think Joe Lansdale wrote, although I could be wrong on that, that's, that's, that is, you know, if nothing else, better by being first, I think. Although I, I did think that 61 was done well, 62, I liked the art, but I felt a little too much, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that King is at a, a crucial transition stage, and I'll be very curious to see uh, slash, slash how he handles it, slash how the marketplace slash the audience I, I, handles I it. I think I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think King is, and I say this as someone who loves King. Yeah. Uh, and someone who I think might be one of the rare people who's like, I think Heroes in Crisis is getting better. Um, <laughs> you are. You I, know, I genuinely that dude. But I also, but I also think that King is so close to believing his own hype and disappearing up his asshole. Mm-hmm. Like so close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, which is one of the reasons why, like these last couple of issues of Batman, has me going, oh. Yeah. Oh, but and it's such a shame because like Mr. Miracle landed hard for me emotionally, mm-hmm. like really, really, really landed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of King stuff has landed, mm-hmm. like I, I, in in ways that like I you know even like the the Heroes in Crisis issue that that Lee Reeks drew, was really good as well. But there is something that I'm like I feel that Tom King is so close to losing his way and believing his own hype. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I feel that you, I feel that you might have thought he started believing his own hype earlier. Oh Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to describe it because there's something about believing your own hype. Uh, I see, I see a lot of complicated stuff, uh, motivations going on with King. I feel like he is. You know, there's, I think it's very uh, apt to say there's just a crazy amount of ambition there. And um, I think that in a lot of ways, he is driven to try to measure up to that ambition. And I also feel that he is in the process of trying he, i i always it's like here's a guy who's trying to stoke the fires i i honestly believe that more than anything here's a guy who's trying to stoke the fires and get it hotter and hot get the heat hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter i also think that because he has undertaken so much work in order to do that um i do feel that you know when he spoke more you know recently with quotes around that as in like within the last year of talking about writing so quickly that he doesn't really have a lot of chance to second guess himself or yeah, yeah. that he's, he's he's done that a lot around here's in crisis 
Yeah. Interestingly enough, like they basically like it's become automatic writing. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is, you know, I mean, it 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 pushes the right buttons for me when someone talks about wanting to try and get to the point where they're writing the way that Jack Kirby draws. You know, I I also think that Kirby got to the point when he became Kirby as we know him a very, very long time into working in the industry and and working hard for a long time before making some of the big leaps. So part of me is like, like I said, I feel like King is pushing himself to the point where this is at a crucial point. And what I find fascinating is I don't necessarily think of it as as believing his own hype disappearing up his own, his own butthole is close. I think that there is a stage where it's more fuck. I, it, 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 it's yeah. It's just, you know, essentially the, 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 I guess the phrase that comes to mind is, is jumping the shark. Like I sort of feel like people are talking about King stuff a little bit. Like there's like, he's, you know, believe his own hype, jump the shark, kind of disappeared up his own butt. And I think to me, it's just he is he's he's trying to keep his reach or even trying to extend his reach while not giving himself as much time as he used to to measure up to that. And I don't nec- I'm not necessarily sure that he has the chops yet to be able to pull that off it's it's an amazing high wire act it is really interesting to see someone do that you know 62 issues into a batman run i mean he started with the ambition beforehand but he's doing more and more things where it's like eh, i i in the end i think that it's not going to um in a way, I would be surprised if it follows through uh, because I think that I think that weirdly some of King where King ends up a lot of his punches so far in in Batman when it when it goes for the big comic booky stuff, it to me falls flat. And when it goes to the new slash understated, I feel like you can kind of. I, I feel that Neil Gaiman, if nothing else, was incredibly smart at being like, there's only so many times that you can pull the story is that there is no story or the climax is that there is no climax and that's the climax before you have to, you know, go to the next town and sell trombones there, you know, um, or whatever it is they sell in the Music Man, you know. And I, I just, I think, th- I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that King is going to be able to pull it off. Um, I, I'm I'm very curious where he's going with Batman, to be honest. Oh yeah. Um, in large part because of I because either I'm misreading what happened in like the last uh, cliffhanger of I'm wanting to like you know real continuity. No. Um, yeah. Or 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 he's doing something very different than I expected and also something that you know is literally jumping the shark like he either makes the landing and it's incredible 
or much more likely he doesn't and it's a stunt well yeah and i i i mean the one thing that that bothers me about king is uh i i as you know i i just don't have necessarily enough trust in him i have i sort of have trust in his ambition but i feel like he's the sort of guy that will commit to doing as he's more or less said a hundred issue uh run on batman and you know five issues in being like fuck what what do i have i don't have anything to say about batman you know what i mean like i don't think i think i think his goals are not necessarily altogether tied into the character and he's kind of like yeah well i mean you know i'm doing a multi-part exploration and and that i don't know i i think there's i think there's a lot of um there's a certain amount of huckster in in tom king that that is that fits in with the comic book industry in a lot of ways you know so and I think that he's got talent, but I am I am fascinated that, like I said, it feels like a very big, uh, crucial transition point. And part of me, weirdly enough, despite not liking um, some of the things that he's done and not, you know, I don't necessarily want to see him uh, crash and burn. But uh, yeah, exactly. Um, are, are you reading Heroes in Crisis? I'm not. Did, did, did no, I read off? the first issue there, and I was there just is like, a, there's no way. But the, yeah. well, there's, did, did you see that, like, the explicit Watchmen reference in the most recent issue? I'm sure people screenshotted it. Uh, no, I had not. No, I didn't see it at all. There's literally a, did it 35 minutes ago reference. <laughs> like, 100%. Like, um, spoilers, everyone, although, like, it, the issue's been out for, like, three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um... Clark is telling Batman and Wonder Woman that Lois is about to run a story mm-hmm. and they're appalled and they're like, how could you tell? How could you wait so late? And he's like, I didn't wait until late. She did it 35 seconds ago. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'd be like, you know, he's facing the, the, the reader. Like it's, it's a play in the panel and everything. Right. And I was honestly like, that's either ballsy or shameless. And I can't tell which. Well, I think I think it's ballsy you know I mean? and shameless, and also do, so. Just out of curiosity, what do you think that that? Do you think it means something? I mean, you know, in the sense of well, no, I mean, let's face it, he's always been an, an Alan Moore fan. Sure. Like he's he's a, he's a massive Alan Moore fan. Right. Um. But I guess I guess what I was saying is like I can't work out if it's like you know bold or if he's he he's showing what he's cribbing from too bluntly well or i guess what i mean is is like it but you don't think that he's thematically pointing to a way in which superman is ozymandias within the scope of heroes in crisis no, no i no i 100 percent don't okay and I don't mean like, oh, no, he's no, the guy who I, manufactured I, I, no, the blah, blah, blah. No, blah, I, blah. I think it's literally like just uh, a wink and a nod. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, very interesting. <laughs> I, I, It's fascinating because I'm like, I much preferred uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's shout out to watch. I, I've, I've got to tell you that like weirdly upset me. <laughs> Did it? Why, Graham? Oh, my gosh. I, he had this weird thing of like, 
like so much of reality right now, especially political reality, is like this is what a bad writer would do. <laughs> and honestly, having like Alexandra, uh, I, I, I got I forgot her last name, Ocasio Cortez, um, make that particular reference, or even just like quote from Watchmen, mm-hmm. just felt so on the nose. As in, like, hey, she's cool, like you. <laughs> like, like if it honestly felt like something like Aaron Sorkin would have done on a bad Aaron Sorkin day. Mm. Mm. Yeah, know? that could that could be. I mean, that could be. I I thought that it was. I didn't quite lose my shit on it uh, as profoundly as a huge chunk of the the internet seemed to. But it was a. Um, but a it did make me smile, and b it also had a. Uh, the fact that she made it a point to 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 call out Alan Moore in the tweet yeah. before doing the Watchmen quote was the part where I was like, oh, inter- interesting, you know, because that's that's very because that's the part where I'm like, huh, like you had to let us know that you knew that it was Alan Moore as opposed to the movie. Like that was so weirdly specific, you know, the the kind of weird bespoke hipster like oh yes i've read watchmen multiple times you know kind of thing that was just kind of like oh but you know no, it just it's like there honestly there's something about it be like so on the nose where i was just like oh god really <laughs> yeah i i get it graham i get it you're 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 i love you but you're neolib you know so <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, it was, it was, that was quite a, that was quite a thing. That was quite a thing. So yeah, it's, it's like, you know, birds do it, bees do it, Tom King and AOC do it. Let's do it. Let's quote Alan Moore is, is what I was going to say. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I figured you'd be kind of impressed that I worked in Cole Porter, but no. No, 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 I actually was. And I, I, but it's, it. It worked. Like, it scanned. Uh, my problem was I tried to come up with an appropriate Alan Moore quote and then couldn't. <laughs> well, did, did you see the person who was like, yeah, shit's getting weird now. And they, like, screenshot Elizabeth Warren's uh, Twitter feed. And it was like, uh, you know, dead dog stomach burst on streets. Oh, oh, that's fucking hilarious. It was so good. It was so good having having Rorschach's opening on there. It was like hilarious. Because at that point it really just does seem like farcical at this point. So yeah. I see I think it was Charlie Chu from Oni Press makes the joke about like we are two weeks out from Nancy Pelosi saying Sluggo is lit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God help us. So let's talk about friendly. Oh, but do read Batman Annual number three. You'll like it. There's. Uh... Yeah, no, I fully believe I will because, mm-hmm. uh, I, again, I got great write ups and also I'm a big fan of Tom Taylor. Yes. Which, to pivot onto what you want to talk about, exactly. um, was so strange about Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man, a book I did like, but which I feel you can see the sweat come off Tom King in like the first maybe five or six pages. Tom Taylor. Like it, Tom Taylor, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like that 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 book starts so poorly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it feels so awkward in the the, the start of that book. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, it does. Uh, it really does. I mean, there's just a variety of it that, like, I read that. I was like, I mean, admittedly, for my understanding is, and I'm in the sense that I'm behind it, I really liked what I read of Chip Zdarsky on Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, and oh, a lot of people really good. It's really loved good. it. Yeah, so. So there, there's a, there's a little, there might be a little bit of a, the following Sinatra aspect of it. Uh, yes and no. Like, I, I really liked the Chip Zdarsky thing, but I did, I lit, literally did not think about it once reading Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man. I just thought that like the first, like four or five pages of of that comic were we're really off like we're really trying too hard and not landing well and that's and that's the other thing that i felt is is that it again friendly neighborhood spider-man feels to me like uh uh either tom taylor like really kind of like overworked the pitch too hard or that the editor mandated the pitch and taylor was like yeah i can do that but like yeah, but it's not it's not just the pitch. Like the the narration at the first few pages is honestly just bad. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. Like and, and like it's paced really weirdly. Like there's a double page spread opening it. Yeah. Where one of the pages is dead space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like I, it's it's absolutely surreal. Wait, which page is the dead space one? Page three of the story. So you get you get um, the panel with six pages that, that starts the story, and then you get double page spreads of right. of Spider Man swinging through the page. Yeah, and Spider Man is all but his like his left leg underneath the knee yeah. on one page, as is the caption, mm-hmm. and the second page is his leg beneath the knee and some buildings. Uh, wait, really? Wait, hold on. Describe that to me again. So, so what is the, this is, this is the double page spread you're talking about? Yes. And so, so he is swinging through. Right. The New York City. Right. And on the buildings, there are flashbacks to his past. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of Spider-Man, with the exception of his left leg beneath the knee, mm-hmm. is on the right page. Oh, I it's see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. on the right page, there is only his left leg beneath the knee yeah. and some buildings. Yeah. There's not even the caption. Yeah. It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. It's such a poorly done double page spread. I, I, I actually think – I mean I could be wrong, but I think Juan Cabal um, either – like did not get it like i honestly feel like he looked at that description in the script and did not get it because although i could be wrong i really get the sense of you know tom taylor's script was something like spider-man swings through new york city but the buildings with memories yeah but the buildings are the windows are actually panels from previous comic book scenes because it kind of has that little bit of like and we're going to present like all of it you know his greatest hits his biggest moments and it and it's a little way of doing that like here's here's bringing the character up to speed and i just feel like the artist read that and froze or didn't get it because it's really 
it's really undynamic. And I I kind yeah, of see where he's going for it. It's a terrible double page. Yeah. But it's terrible. Like, you're telling me the editor did not think, oh, you know what? I should give that for a double, another pass. Uh, maybe. Like, I mean, oh. I, yeah. Yeah. I Part of me was like, I kind of get it. I was like, oh, yeah, you get Spider-Man and he's swinging along the buildings and the buildings are the previous panels of who he is. I that makes that that seems like a fun visual way of bringing you up to speed to the character and again kind of doing a a way of doing the all-star superman thing without doing the all-star superman thing sure but 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 it just it well I mean, it did it sure didn't work this way so yeah um but, and, and also like it's so weird the pacing is so weird yeah because you get like the really bad um like narration on the first page yeah. about how I know what it's like to be scared. Yep. Then on the double page, you had, I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And then the, th- the fourth page, and this is my neighborhood. Yeah. But it's not a shot of a neighborhood. Right. It's a shot of a car falling off a bridge. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, again, like this is my neighborhood should be on the previous page mm-hmm. to, to ground that page. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it was just, it's it's this weird yep. flop sweat. And again, I like this comic and I think by the time basically you get off that action scene, it's a far better comic uh, on every level. You know, it's interesting. I'm I'm very split. Like on the one hand, that scene I agree, that scene screws the pooch and there's bad choices and I don't know if some of the, how much of those are bad choices where the writer was not thinking like kind of just didn't have a good sense of scope. And and the artist had to do some really bad choices, but you know to try and make it all work. But that was bad. The 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 cutesy scene with with Spidey inter- interacting with the people that he saved is bad. And then uh, everything is just um, it's 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 shittily. It's well, it's not it's not full, flat out shitty, but it's one note. It's the same note over and over and over and over again. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah, th- yeah. This is this is Spider-Man working on a uh, a particular scale, the if you will neighborhood scale. Exactly. Like, and I, and yeah. it's it's trying too hard to fit to that. So, I, I completely agree. So but all, hard. But yeah. all of the rest of the book to me is better than that opening scene, which is like predominantly. Like the the rest of the book works for me, although I agree, like it's trying too hard. Mm-hmm. But like that opening scene is just downright bad. Yeah, like I agree. Is, is is I can't like genuinely I can't believe the editor didn't go no try it again. Right. Well, because because there's there's just there's there's obvious flaws. There's mm-hmm. obvious flaws in script and art. Yes. That that it just that, that it just doesn't land. Yeah. Like seriously. Look at the what page is it? It's page ten, mm-hmm. right? And you have Spider-Man leaping through the car, mm-hmm. and then there's an explosion, and then there's a panel of Spider-Man's hand holding onto the web right. that serves zero purpose. Yeah, yep. Like, what is that meant to be? It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. It's, I, it's, it's the oddest scene that is just filled with mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I get the sense that the the at the very least the writer and the artist are are a really bad match. I'm also well, fascinated. What, what? Yeah. Sorry, just no, 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 really no. quickly. Mm-hmm. What's really surprising is the artist and writer worked together on all new Spider-Man oh. and uh, all new Wolverine, Wolverine, right? Which everyone loved. And, yeah, and they were good there. Yeah. Like so, it's it's I I you know I don't know what happened here. 
Yeah. Do you think maybe one or both of them don't get Spider-Man, so to speak? I... I'm tempted to say the artist doesn't get Spider-Man, but it's just because I don't like his Spider-Man. I do like his Peter Parker, but I don't like his Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, my first thought was, this is a rushed book. Could be, yeah. Like, this is a book that like had to be rushed to make Deadline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm saying this to someone who liked the issue. <laughs> you know? But, right. but, you know, that opening in particular is just bad. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But I was I was impressed because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pick it up. Tom Taylor, you know, and again, having read the Batman annual, which I thought was really good. I'm like, ah, Tom Taylor, good match. This will be a good this will be a good fit. And I was like, oof. well, OK, so, yeah, that's not that's not going to work. It's not going to work at all. Did you read um, his X-Men? His X-Men read? No, you know, the thing that's really weird is I am Tom Taylor deficient. I really am. I enjoyed that first volume of Injustice a lot and then just dragged my feet on reading anything else by him. And I've heard that's, very good I, things. I, yeah, his, mm-hmm. his X-Men read, I think, was really strong. Like yeah. the strongest X-Men's been for me in a long time. Right. Um, and And – Doing so while being amazingly true to like Claremont's X Men, mm-hmm. like genuinely shockingly on point for Claremont's X Men, and also Morrison's, right. interestingly enough. Um, his his all new Wolverine was really good. His Injustice is I've said it before, like far stronger than it's any right to be. Mm-hmm. Like Taylor's Taylor's a really good writer, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, uh, which is why like the opening of this issue is is honestly like weirdly annoying yeah yeah you know where it's like no i know you're better than this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i i it's it it is it is interesting i'll be curious to see how things uh go uh uh, at going forward graham i realize we're we're more or less right at the two-hour mark uh like maybe a little less after we do some uh minor editing but um uh, there's a, there, you know, one thing I did want to mention, uh, to back up on Comixology Unlimited, um, people who've heard us blab on and on and on and on about Immortal Hulk, I had mentioned that it, the price was stupid cheap on, uh, during Marvel's big sale. They also threw volume one on, uh, Comixology Unlimited. Oh, currently. God. Read, read, if you have Comixology Unlimited. Just yeah. read that fucker. Yeah, just 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 go for it. They've done a couple of other stuff that they seem to be um, that Marvel is promoting. You know, sort of their uh, recent titles. I don't I don't remember the other one. Nothing was quite as stunning as like Marvel is more or less paying you to. It is the next step is them paying you to to read the first volume of Immortal Hulk. Just take that money when they offer it to you, but read it now while you can, while it's really, yes, cause really it, cause easy. It, yes, and because it's an it's an amazing comic. Yeah, it's an, it's a really good comic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, are you are you up to date with the Mortal Hulk? Yes. Yeah, I thought I thought issue the, eleven was one of the arguably did, did, did strongest we, issue. Yeah. Did we talk about that last week or not? I don't think, I don't so. think no. we did. No, no, no. no. Because um, issue, issue eleven's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I thought that I thought that issue eleven really quote unquote brought it. There there was so much stuff that was done in 
incredibly well. I was uh, yes. a very... It's, I mean, it, it's really... We said this before, but like this book really is an Alan Moore Swamp Thing mm-hmm. territory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, which is funny because I'm like, oh yeah, he put he put uh, Swamp Thing in hell relatively yeah, early no, on no, too. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, yeah, that's why I'm saying it. Yeah, um, but it is like it, it, he. I genuinely feel like he's redefining Hulk in a way that because it's Marvel, you know, the next writer's going to be like, it's back to basics, right? He's wandering America, and the Hulk's a good guy again. Never actually killed anyone. We've gone back on that. Right. But but right now, like, I feel that what Ewing is doing to the Hulk is is something that people are going to be referring to for the rest of the Hulk's existence. It's really close. It, provided it doesn't like it keeps it keeps kind of turning up the heat if there isn't. Oh, a weirdo misstep. I, 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 which I, you know, who knows? I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, so yeah, issue 11 was really just. It's nothing else. The, the wonderful bit where, where is it? Jackie McGee, the name of the reporter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like really on the nose, but also like really subtly at the same time, mm-hmm. basically goes, I want to be the Hulk because you're allowed to be angry. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. people forgive you for being angry. Yep, and I am a black woman, and I am never allowed to be angry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I mean, such a, it's such a great scene mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because it it pivots from you know Hulk as smart as know all mm-hmm. to kind of show you how small and limited the Hulk is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 yeah, it's such a good comic. It, yeah. It's breathtaking how good that comic is. Yeah. I I I really thought uh, it, it has been fabulous, and Eleven was delightful. Do you want to run down a few things that you've been reading or have read over the last couple um, of weeks or whatever? You, you, know what I, you know what I've mostly been reading over the last week, and I don't know why this is true other than literally, again, Hoopla. Mm-hmm. I've been reading Dan Jurgens' action comics, like the, the, the Rebirth run. Uh-huh. Um, because you can get like three, the deluxe edition, three things. You can basically get his entire run from three books checked out in Hoopla. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's like 30 issues or something. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's fascinating in how, uh, like we, we made reference when Rebirth got started that it was basically like DC Comics doing comfort food, mm-hmm. but doing comfort food very well. Mm-hmm. And Jurgens is pewing right there. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing comfort food. He's doing, do you remember Superman in the nineties? That's great. Cause that's literally what I'm doing now. <laughs> it's like I'm doing the same character. So he's not the, he's not the new 52 Superman. This is the same Superman, but also I'm pretty much doing the same storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something about it that is, simultaneously really comforting and really annoying about it. Mm-hmm. It works much better, again, written, uh, read as in, in chunks, as opposed to single issues. Right. Uh, the amount of hilarious bending over backwards they have to do, and this was true of the Tomasi run as well, in order to make it work as Superman mm. is hilarious. Because remember, like they've killed off Clark, Right. And they've killed off Lois, and so they've got to like get Clark and Lois back to being the Clark and Lois, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's dumb. They waste issues doing that. Yeah. yeah. And then like then after they've done it, they reboot everything so they didn't need to. And you're like, 
No, really. They spend like 12 issues getting the characters back in position, and then they reboot everything. Wow. Shit. And you're like, what the fuck is this? It's <laughs> um, and then they spend two issues like explaining the reboot because they have to. Right. Right. And like this is the history now, and you're like, but this like this literally makes no sense. Yeah. Um, but it's it's weirdly compelling reading. Uh, Young Justice issue one, mm-hmm. the the Bendis book is super fun. It's is is very much, I mean, very much Bendis's New Avengers mm-hmm. to be honest with you, but with a better artist than David Finch. Wow. Well, Pat, Pat Gleason's a really good artist. Oh, yeah. And Pat Gleason really good, is fabulous. Yeah, that's right. He's really good in this book. He's yeah. really good in this book with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a great impulse. He does a really good Robin. He does a really good Superboy, who admittedly only appears in the last panel, but the last page, but the last page is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a super fun, fresh book that is also just fucking steeped in nerdy DC continuity. Mm-hmm. Like fucking drowning in it, Jeff. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's been, that's been really enjoyable uh, about what I've seen and read of Bendis is that idea of like, oh, this this is a guy who's a much bigger DC nerd than I would have suspected for whatever. Yeah, or, or is faking it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know. It's weird. Maybe, but he fakes it a lot better than I've seen other people try to fake yeah, it no, and no, fail no, no, I, I, compl- I completely agree yeah but um but no like you know the issue have you read it uh, no what is the it out was, i thought it was out next yeah. week oh no oh, no it's out this week, it's out oh, this week. okay sure um the the issue opens with like a two-page amethyst callback wow the the main character besides robin in the first issue is uh jonah hex's great 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 granddaughter oh yeah jenny hex Came, yeah yeah, who came from the the Walmart issues? Oh, that's uh, great. yeah, it, he's it, she shows she debuted in in the Bendis Nick Darrington Walmart Batman, mm. um, which is also super fun, by the way. Mm-hmm. If if at some point, and I really hope they do, DC release a collection of like that and the Tom King Superman, mm-hmm. um, they're both great. Mm-hmm. They're both really really fucking good. Oh yeah. Uh, the Darrington Batman in particular, if only for the art. Like, the Darrington Batman's great. But again, Bentis is having a lot of fun writing Batman. Mm-hmm. And he's writing Batman like a comedy character in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like, not he's not doing like the grim and gritty Batman at all. Hmm. And and it's, it's much better for it. Hmm. Um, no, so that was great. Um... Captain Marvel issue one, the, the new Captain Marvel's new Captain Marvel series started. Right. And it does everything it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's far better than, than any Captain Marvel book they've done in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't help feel that it's also going through the motions. Hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like it takes all the boxes, but that's the problem. It feels like it takes all the boxes. Right. Along similar lines, I think I told you before that, like, I was reading Uncanny X-Men, mm-hmm. the launch, and that it was just terrible because it is literally just nostalgia fest. Yes. It continues to just be, a, I mean, a shockingly unoriginal comic. 
mm-hmm. and uninspired and just feeling like it offers nothing other than nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, 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 it's genuinely shocking to mm-hmm. me. Um, what that, that comic reads like it, it's, I can't quite believe that it's, uh, that it's, I was going to say a success, but who knows? Like we've not seen sales figures for the second month. Um, but it's, it's just, it's the idea that like this is what the fans want is really depressing. Like if this is a hit, mm-hmm. it's really depressing to me because it's, it's, it's almost a book that rejoices in being uninspired. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a book, it's a book that's like, who needs to do anything else? Right. Because, hey. <laughs> It's it's yeah it's not it's not good. Um, did I tell you? I honestly can't remember when we were doing uh, before the end of the year. If I had read all the short box stuff, I don't think I had. You because I, I yeah, read you, all of twenty eighteen short box right um, before the end of the year in order to do the THR best of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all of that stuff blew me away. Mm-hmm. Like entirely blew me away. Yeah, you, blew me you away said in, in, mm-hmm. in a way that it's just like um, made everything else I read, comics and prose, for like the next couple of weeks lacking, mm-hmm. uh, and made me very inspired uh, about what comics can be. That's fair. You know, mm-hmm. um, did I? I don't think we've talked about. Um, uh, maybe we have. Have you watched Hilda on Netflix? No, no, but oh God, there was you. Shit. I want to say, uh, I want to say maybe Hannah Blumenreich was into it, but I don't remember. Someone was definitely, someone was definitely talking about it on, on Twitter the other yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely great. B, I think I've said before in this podcast, I love the comics that it came from. Mm-hmm. And so the the Netflix show sent me back to comics, which are just great. I mean, legitimately wonderful, you know, creative, incredibly enjoyable, incredibly charming, incredibly inventive, uh, wonderfully successful in like world building comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, you should get them for your nieces if you haven't. If like if they haven't read them or they haven't seen the show, right? This is definitely what you should get them if they're still interested in reading comics. One hundred percent, you should get them Hilda Jeff. Hmm. But the they're they're publishing like um, what I would call a European album format, mm-hmm. right? An oversized like you know I think it's forty eight or sixty four page uh, graphic album, mm-hmm. which made me think. I remember Asterix, and so I've been reading Asterix at the library oh, wow. over the last. That's fabulous. Did you read Asterix when you were a kid? Not, 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 no, I would have to, I'll flat out say no, which is to say, um, I, a, a, a very, very little, like never part of like, like parts of albums here or there. And because it was, uh, in French, like trying to fight my way through it in high school French class, um, where like the instructor had some books on the shelf and I was like, Ooh, Asterix. But I would say, by and large, no. 
because uh like I grew up reading Asterix. Mm-hmm. Asterix is like there with Tintin, with two thousand eighty, yes. with like Starblazer, like as as like the comics are out when I was a kid. Yeah. Like these are the comics are out when I was like four or five, mm-hmm. right? And it's so strange going back to them now because they are so dense in terms of plot, infinitely more dense in terms of writing. Mm-hmm. Like plot and like I always remembered that they are full of puns and they're full of lit- like uh verbal humor. Yeah. You know, because like there's Asterix, there's Oblix, the druid is called Gedafix. <laughs> uh the the chief is called Vital Statistics. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's like all those names. Uh but there's like there's lots of puns within that. There's lots of physical comedy. And I remembered it being very dense in terms of jokes. Mm-hmm. But I didn't remember how dense in terms of plots these books are as well. Like these are filled books. They're they're short, but they're like really, really fucking dense, which is kind of amazing. Huh. Um but also I remembered the art differently, which has been the strangest thing. Wow. The weird thing about the art is that it's much more illustratorly than I remembered it. Like I remembered it being this like weird, clear, um like cartoony, but like almost Disney cartoony line. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's much more brushstrokes, and there's much more um, personality mm. in, in each page than I remember. And it, it's like it's been a joy to rediscover. To be honest, it, it's been yeah. really. Exciting. It's funny because, again, like I said, I grew up with like Tintin and Asterix and yada yada, and I've revisited Tintin a bunch since then, and I haven't revisited Asterix. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this might be the first time I've read Asterix in like thirty years, if not more. Wow. Um. So it's really strange to go back, uh, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. And also, it's like a part of me is like, have they a, either are these rewritten for American audiences, or have they rewritten them since I was a kid? Because there's things that feel different. But again, I haven't read them for three decades. Right, right. So it's one of those things where your brain really might be misaligned with. Right, with, exactly. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I could just be totally wrong. Hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm hoping that just by mentioning it, uh, we'll have some some listeners jump in on the comments and let you know, because I suspect I I feel one of the things that is kind of the mystery of the American market is is that Tintin did get uh, a uh, foot in the door, uh, maybe not much more than that, but certainly a foot with some of its serialization and, and what have you. But uh, but Asterix is just really not made a dent. Like when you hear about people who are into Asterix, it's you know it 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 always feels to me like it's people who, you know, their family spent a year in Europe or something like that. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's it's or or you know it's people who moved or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I'm it's something that's always been on the to do list because there are people who've you know. Who sing its praises? Who are quite, quite serious about uh, how good it is? But I just, I yeah, never dipped the toe in. So that is kind of interesting, uh, especially the idea of like, yeah, I suppose I probably could get it. Even, even the stupid San Francisco library can get it. Somehow. I would say, like, I'm, I'm sure they've got. Also, I wonder if that's on Hoopla. You know, uh, maybe if it is, I have never come across it, and I'm someone who. As you know, probably spends more time looking at 
what digital comics that I can read as opposed to actually reading the digital comics. I know there's points where I spent, I mean, it was just a couple of months ago. Oh, but spent, oh no, they've only got the Asterix movie. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. Where I spent like 30 or 40 minutes. That's hilarious. Didn't they, did, I, they didn't do a sequel to that, did they? I feel like they I, did. I want to say they did. Yeah. yeah, they did. Like, I think it was, they just were like, we're not even going to bother to release it in America. But they did. They do have it. Okay. I thought so, too. Um, yeah, no, I spent a long time digging through Hoopla and what it has and still periodically jump over and, and comb through the new and popular stuff. And so I was going to say, it, if it's on there, it was neither new nor popular. So... I, but to be fair, no hoopla like their new is is like their definition of new is interesting. It is, isn't it? It's really kind of I'm I'm like new is in added to the service or yeah, exactly new yeah. is in like the last time you updated it. It was new. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some really weird weird choices going on there. Yeah. So, uh, so at the uh, uh, because we've gone on long enough, I I I want to run down some of the stuff that I I talked about that I've read that I. Either I don't really have much to say or but at least want to give a very a variety of shout outs to. Um, but I want to make sure I don't step on your toes because you being no, no, go, go. you are. Okay. I, I, I have talked more than enough, Jeff. On you go. Say what you've read. Uh, so I read the second volume of uh, Die Vergelder. Uh, volume 2 finally came out from uh, – uh, Hirokai Samura, who did, you know, Blade of the Immortal, which weirdly enough, I have have yet to make my way into. Like, I kind of started with Blade of the Immortal and being like, uh, oh, and knowing that a lot of people love it. Uh, Divergelder, uh, I complained for, for literally, uh, it felt like a year, if not longer, that... Uh, was it Kodansha, I think, put out the first volume of it, which was a double-sized volume, um, and then nothing forever, and bitched and whined and complained that it was never going to come out. Volume 2 came out, and again, double-sized, uh, drives me nuts, because I devoured it so quickly, I was like, what the fuck, I can't believe that this is over. Like, even breaking it into two or three readings... I still couldn't keep my hands off of it and, and, and knocked it down in like two or three days and mm -hmm. love it. It's very, I wish there was more of it and faster in part because to me it has such a weird tone to the book. Like he is doing a, oh God, I think the best way to kind of talk about now it's not the best way to talk about it it's really hard it's it's basically sort of a kung fu woman's exploitation flick in manga form but but sort of in that weird uh overachieving way that japanese manga ka um really do have it's so much um deeper than that like it's mm -hmm. it is an it is a deeply jaundiced view of uh corruption and capitalism 
and at the core of it are a bunch of fucked up anti-heroes who seem to meet up and kick each other's asses and then barely escape in one piece and then show up after another 40 or 50 pages of impossible situations to kick each other's asses again. Very, very weird. And I just wish that I had it all in, you know, in one go. Weirdly enough, the flip side of that is I am, Jesus, am I even done with volume two of, of Finland saga? I might only be, I think I'm, yeah, no, I'm like really near the end. Vinland Saga, also by Kodansha, is, um, geez, let me see if I if I hit the series details, because I'm still so bad at um, uh, who the creators are. By uh, Makoto Yukimura, which I think I mentioned is kind of a big sweeping Viking epic that I did not think that I would be down with, because I don't like Viking epics. I don't like Vikings, I guess, but it is, it's fucking great um and it is one that has multiple multiple volumes and yet for whatever reason it's it's almost like a rich food i can only like i will read and read and read and read and read and just be so full and it's like oh shit it's it's only been like 100 pages i still have 300 pages left in this volume and then there's multiple volumes after this it's easily great it is really really good people who want uh um uh, what's the word because i don't i i'm not i'm not a big fan of historical sagas and one of the things that i think they do that's very smart at vinland saga is it starts off with basically just super cool action scenes for a chunk of the first volume slows down goes into the backstory and then when volume two kicks in sort of starts bringing in historical figures a little bit but by that point you're completely hooked and and again it's mixed in with so much just really over the top um fight scenes that are just great i really am adoring that uh i mentioned batman annual number three of course and green lantern uh i immortal hulk 11 it's perhaps i i swore up and down that i was not going to buy it and in the end i totally gave in and purchased conan the barbarian uh number one what did you think well uh i have to say that on the one hand i really really dug it like i really like they kind of had me when they were you know clever enough to put in that little conan marvel collage uh, and I think the the art by Mahmoud Asrar is is very strong, and Jason Aaron's writing is clearly steeped in a deep love for the character. I'm a little, what's the word, trepidatious about the fact that that Aaron decides to do the the very thing that he did with the start of the Thor run on. Yeah. Yeah, that's when he was talking about the his run. That was my first thought as well. I was like, "Oh, didn't you do that?" Yeah, and and part of me is kind of like, I, I like it's interesting because I, you know have heard a lot of great stuff about his Thor run and have kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna sit down and really power through that. But I, I really did find myself being like, it's 
it's weird that you choose to do it. And part of me is kind of, I sort of feel on the one hand, Aaron's like, well, this is, um, you know, sort of something that you haven't seen with Conan. Like you've seen Conan and you've seen King Conan, but the idea of having a story that, that bridges them would have been clever if he hadn't done it in Thor. And honestly, for the first half, the first two thirds of the book, which is basically Conan, you know, at a relatively early point in her career, I was like, I'm down with it. I'm okay with this. This totally, you don't, you don't have to, uh, as you know, a term that I believe you introduced me to, you don't have to over egg the pudding, but, uh, the pudding, I gotta say the pudding feels over egged. Uh, but, and yet I also turned around and subscribed to it. So, cause it's even if, depending on how he splits the difference or where he goes with it, um, I could be down with it. Uh, criminal number one, the return of criminal by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, very, very, uh, glad to see that back. I thought, uh, I thought there was, it was a good, strong return issue actually. And I'm, I'm curious to see where it will go in part because I feel like the criminal stuff had a, I feel, I feel like, um, Brew Baker and Phillips have been away from it long enough and have done a variety of, they've opened up their storytelling a little bit. So seeing some of the choices that they made with killer be killed, um, it, it, it come back into the, the, the crimiverse. It was, yeah. it was actually, uh, uh, enjoyable at some point, maybe later on down the road, we'll, I, 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 you know, when we're, we're not trying to wrap this up, I'll talk about the weird mixed feelings I have about Elizabeth Brightweiser not being on the book. Um, and Jacob oh, Phillips really? doing the coloring. Yeah. Which makes sense. Like I want to say, Jesus, Jacob Phillips. I forget if he did the coloring for my heroes have always been junkies. He did. Okay. He did. Yeah. So, I don't know how that transition point happened or hit, but it's it's interesting is all I can say is like on the one hand, there's a way in which it's a relief and there's a way in which it's kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's also rough because I feel that um, Brightweiser was incredibly talented. Uh, Outer Darkness, number three. I think I've told you how much I really like this book and how weird it is. It's really weird and it's really good and i i'm i really am loving it uh in a way that i just really like a lot of john layman's work has is kind of like always only half clicked for me and here it fully clicks that could be because i think afu chan again is just doing amazing shit with the the look of it but it's a really weird 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 book like the the mix of you know just sort of outright star trek and an outright horror like a an outer space horror comic is something that i and particularly a star trek horror comic is something that i didn't really think that would work but each issue is uh sells me on it a little more um gunning Gunning for Hits, music thriller, uh, issue one, uh, which okay. I picked up. What is this? Because I saw someone tweet a picture of this 
uh, this week, and I've never heard of it before, but I was uh, kind of shocked by the, the the picture I saw. Oh, yes. Uh, well, so I bought it before in a weird, because I really like the Bowie-esque cover. I, at the time, not knowing how heavily... Uh, the, so the guy who is writing it, Jeff Rougevi, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, is a is a is a is a record exec or was a record exec he's got a lot of back matter in the back talking about it's like hey i was a big comic fan like he's basically got a a running timeline that opens up with 1973 and his first spider-man comic running through his first punk show to getting hired uh by ryko disc and doing um you know basically putting together the sound and vision box set and and running through the rest of it and so it is a it's it's a first timers comic book by someone who knows or knew the business industry really well so the first issue is this negotiation with a uh, music executive and a band and the band's manager that's trying to hammer out a deal and it's it's 1987 and one of the things is like there's a variety of uh linguistic anachronisms that i'm kind of like yeah okay i can kind of excuse and how do I put it? Basically, it really feels like um, by the time you get to the problematic comic panel in in question, it makes a lot more sense because it's doing a cynic, uh, more cynical than thou uh, view of the music industry from the 80s. And uh, how do I put it? I it's kind of a bummer because part of me is like, oh yeah, it's it's a it's it's a book by a newcomer. It's dramatically overwritten. It's propped up by um a pretty talented artist and part of me found it both um kind of an interesting read and also utterly uh uh, 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 uh like Anyone who had a, a subscription to Spin Magazine at any point in their life uh, is pro- is going to be, oh, you know, kind of nodding sagely going, yeah, I know all this for at least like two thirds of the issue, maybe even three sure, quarters yeah. of it. But part of me is like, oh, yeah, you know what? Honestly, part of, uh, comics in the 80s and, and that weird sort of uh, the music industry in the 80s. But the twist, which ends up being spoilers, that the record exec is also is slash was a, a mob hitman, is um, uh, kind of a tr- kind of terrible. So like I was going to say, thanks for spoiling it, Jeff. Yeah, I know, right? Well, considering it's called Gunning for Hits, so I I I, uh, I kind of had this thing of like, ah, oh, this is. Oh no! Never mind. Never. This is never, good. Never no. mind. Well, no, it's 
Oh, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where I guess as an old, I kind of have a, a sweet spot for it. Sort of sort of in the way of like, remember when Bob Fingerman came back with Minimum Wage at Image, and yeah. um, and I was reading those, and I was kind of like, yeah, it's not, uh, it's hard for me to go flat out to being like good, but you know, it's it kind of is. You know, it for whatever reason, that's what it reminded me of. Like somebody who I think is of my generation, which is to say, like acting like they're in the know about stuff that I feel like everyone already knows. (laughs) What's really funny is when you're describing it, I'm not thinking of minimum wage, although like that's a really great uh, thing to uh, reference. I'm thinking of that Jacob comic. Mm, yeah, right. Uh, the hey Kids comics. That, right. That's what it reminds me of when you're describing it. Huh. Interesting. Like, yeah, that honestly, part of me is like Chicken's Chicken's baseball is a little more insidery, I think. And I'm sure this the dude who wrote this was like, no, you you totally don't even get the the three specific anecdotes that I'm alluding to in, just in my opening issue. And I'm like, I, I, I kind of feel like I do. But Chaken uh, uh, stuff is, um, how do I put it? Chaken is Chaken by the point that he's doing Hey Kids comics. And so what he has kind of has a, a is a formless mess. Um, Gunning for Hits issue number one is an overwritten version of what feels like something that Vertigo might have published in the mid-2000s and or might have been written by the dude who wrote Exterminators. You know what I mean? So, like, it's very... It's the, the problem isn't that it doesn't have structure in a way um but yeah that same sort of like yeah yeah let me sit down and tell you kids about a little thing called cds and how they save the music industry it was just like jesus all right sort of the same way that chicken's like listen i got bad news you kids better sit down but a lot of people involved in comics were only doing it for the money let that sink in so let's see what else did i read <laughs> i read keeping his whims in check which is the first real quote unquote boys love comic that i think that i've uh ever read even though it's like two guys in their 20s or whatever uh it was interesting i gotta say it was kind of um it's it's you know it was it's much more of a romance and one of the things that i think is is always interesting is how much sometimes uh, manga characters, uh, manga telling uh, romance comics are really invested in their characters and like, how do I put it? There's, there's a certain amount of um, uh, crushing on the characters that they've created that feels almost Greg Rucka-esque with somehow, but somehow like a little more, charming i guess maybe because they're drawing little cute versions of them in the margins going teehee or something you know so uh it was that that was actually i think more of the weirder experience than like oh here's here's a romance between two guys similarly in a very strangely similar way shit why can't i find it 
God, what's it called? You would know it, Graham. So how I worked in the animation industry or I got a job in the animation industry. Oh, yeah, industry. yeah, yeah. The, the, um, I, oh, God, now, now I'm blanking. Yeah. I, I moved it. to Los Angeles. It's, I moved to Los Angeles to work in the animation industry yeah. or something, right? I moved to Los Angeles to work in animation by uh, Natalie Nulgat, I think. Um, yep. Nulgat. Nulgat, yeah. It looks like Nougat. And this is the problem sometimes with comiXologies when I'm reading the covers at Dinky Size, uh, published by, I think, Boombox. And uh, that was... Uh, that was a weird read. That was an interesting read in that the art is gorgeous. Like I really love, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, like she's got a very full round style that you can compare to animation, you know, or modern animation, which is really funny because she gets a job as a storyboard artist. And so her experience as a storyboarder in the animation industry. Um, so it's, it's like a how-to book, and it's very much a, like a how-to book that feels like a compilation of, uh, like either a web comic that I missed or and, and was compiled, or a web comic that she was putting together and then managed to make a pitch for and get get kind of a book deal through Boombox for. Um, it's so it's it's it. I don't like. I had this weird thing of like, oh you know, classic book that's not for me. It's filled with a lot of earnest advice about should I try to break into animation in Los Angeles? And if so, how do I do it? Uh, but I just kind of liked the the quality of the drawing so much that uh, that I read the whole thing. That being said, I sort of feel like what kind of sucked, quote unquote, that's too strong a word. What was a little frustrating was she sort of wraps up her story um, like maybe 80% of the way through. And then the last 20% is her interviewing a handful of different people. And they talk about how they broke into the, the industry. And each one, each one of their stories is about two pages. And it's supposed to give you an idea of really the range of the people, uh, that are in animation. And the fact that there's not like kind of that weird, like, it's mostly all sort of the same way ish into the industry, but not necessarily. And no one can really tell you how to get into the industry. Like you can, you can make your own way. It interesting read, not, maybe not, you know, just kind of like if anyone's into animation and hasn't read it, they should read it. Uh, Go bots issue two, which I think know that we read, I read well before I want to say the end of the year, even maybe before our last, maybe just after. I want I want to say we might have actually talked about no, it's issue one we talked. About. We talked about issue one, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just wanted for people who are wondering, did I keep up with it? Did I read issue two? Yes. Is it as fucking bananas as the first issue? It yes. really is. If yeah. not more so. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Like and. Just, just ridiculously um, hyper, like beyond hyper compressed storytelling. Like, like Tom Scioli looks at the term hyper compressed as like that's nothing. He jams so much into issue two. At a certain point, I'm like, wait, this is still going. Like, there's at least three points where I was like, oh, okay, this is where he's going to end it, and he just kept jamming more and more stuff into it. So. Like, I like even the page where he does that insane ripoff of uh, lift 
slash homage because it's not a ripoff. He wants you to know he's doing it of is it X Men one thirty Uncanny X Men one thirty five. Uh, you know the 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 Burns Wolverine coming out of the sewers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Club. That's that's like one thirty. See one one thirty. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I'm like really. I'm always kind of bad on the the issues on that. But it's 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 crazy. I was like, oh, that's the last page, and then it goes on for like another five pages after that. Insane. Uh, and then finally, kind of a downer to end it on. I read issues uh Man Eaters uh three and four, and I'm really conflicted about it because it's. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 I'm conflicted on it because part of me is like, I'm definitely getting my laughs in and maybe that, maybe I shouldn't be expecting anything more, but I'm also having a weird, like, I don't know if this is paced well or I'm just so dramatically out of sync with it. So, uh, um, I am, I'm really behind, mm. but I've heard a lot of people have very conflicted feelings about you four in particular. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Issue three was the one that by I got to the end of it, I was like, wait a minute. Like, kind of like there's we're this far in and this little has happened. I kind of want to call shenanigans. And issue four is the one where I kind of went, oh, maybe I'm just quote unquote doing it wrong. Like, there, I, yeah, like exactly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, like, maybe, maybe I just don't understand this. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Because so there's. In the sense of, I sort of felt that Chelsea Kane was do, going to be doing a funny adventure comic or even a funny comic with adventure. And she was kind of screwing up the pacing. And after issue four, I'm like, no, nah, I think it's just a conceit to tell jokes and riff. Um and I don't know, was there any controversy over her Twitter comments about gender? Yes. Okay. Yes. There right. was a lot. Okay. Because I saw the beginning of of what looked like was going to be controversy. And then I was like, wait, I don't see anyone saying seeing anything. And then, of course, I got super busy at work. So so there, so it did it did there was a bunch. a little more. There okay. was a bunch. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I think in a way for me, that's kind of a relief. But I assume it didn't, uh, of course... As these, how could it resolve? I assume it didn't resolve. It was just I no, I don't, th I don't think it did. Like I, I, I only saw the backlash. Mm. Like I had to go searching for what she saw, just because I saw so many people be angry. Right. Um. So I, I didn't see anything beyond that. Okay. Okay. Well. Uh. So yeah, that's 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 my report, Graham. Sorry, sorry, everyone. It took so long. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be super quick, and I thought it'd be done in like, you know. 10 minutes tops but uh a lot of good comics in there and uh some some stuff that wasn't for me as they say and may not be for anyone so there you go i think that's that's a good place to leave it everyone yes. yeah especially because we have gone on for like two and a half hours now my so. god it's kind of crazy sorry i really thought no this no was gonna well, be I, no I, I i think we Jeff, we didn't even have a fight this time. I know. That's why I'm like, we're doing it wrong, Graham. Like, really, it's like I sort of figured one of us would be bleeding on the floor by now or or weeping. I sort of figured uh, we'd be weeping, but I guess I'll have to save that till we're off air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's leave that as a Patreon extra. <laughs> 
oh my god i almost wish that i could actually cry on command because i would love to <laughs> sob i know we've got to go but I, i've told you kind of what like the 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 horrible i don't know have i told you this the horrible thing about me crying which admittedly doesn't happen very often but apart from me crying the two thing the two things i have problems with are when i cry when i get emotional and i really really cry a lot of people think that i'm laughing and i've had people actually oh, get no. really oh, no. that, that's that's really bad like they'll yeah yeah and they're just kind of like this is not that's not appropriate and then being like no and then realize i'm crying and be like oh my god sorry you know because they're usually, like that is that is appropriate yeah that like, is, get cry, right cry carry on carry on and then the other thing that is really embarrassing is is sometimes when i fake cry now uh like for to for Edie or whatever like it will freak wait, okay why are you fake crying for Edie? Oh, well, I mean, usually for amusement. Like, you know what okay. I mean? Like, it, I was just going to say, that, that yeah. was an unexpected sentence. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. It was like, that could go places. Suddenly, everyone was very uncomfortable. Thank you for allowing me to clarify. But, yeah, like, just something where I was, I'd be like, you know, Edie, John, they made me use regular creamer in my coffee. <laughs> I, that's the usual crying voice that I used to do when I was playing Captain America uh, with the nieces, with the superheroes, because there was a weird period where I don't know why, but like June, who was reading comics but couldn't really quite read them, completely would have her characters always die like halfway through whatever we were playing. So suddenly Wonder Woman would be I, I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say, like, they always just wanted Captain America to cry, and I was going to be like, that political commentary, like, like you didn't expect. Yes, exactly. No, and I mean, it is, it's one of those, like, why is Captain America crying? Buy this comic to find out. Like, so, so she would always have the characters die, her characters die, and so Captain America would be like, no, Wonder Woman, why? Oh, God. Anyway, so the great part is ever since then, like anytime she brings up Captain America is like, yeah, he's a crybaby, And, and, you know, and what's weird is I think she's going into the Marvel cinematic universe very shortly where she's like, yeah, I haven't seen the Captain America movies, but I want to, but I can tell he's a crybaby, And I'm like, mm, uh, uh, uh. so yeah, I don't know. Maybe if she's not. Gonna, yeah. Like she's, she might be disappointed or who knows? Like maybe there's anyway. So at one point I was crying like this and uh uh one of the neighbors who was just outside like actually knocked on the door to make sure everything oh my was God. okay yeah and it was super embarrassing i i was so like That's everything okay wonderful. and i was like oh shit anyway so yes i would maybe can after having hyped it may, maybe i can actually bring myself to do a variety of fake crying and, and upload that as a patreon pa episode, right? patreon patreon uh subscribers patreon supporters if you get a recording of jeff lester crying yeah. uh now you know why i guess we should we should really release it before this episode comes out so people oh, have no that'd idea that'd be great people are like what the hell that would be awesome like the really creepy patreon extras that just sound like me talking on the phone to someone like maybe like you even but even like yeah uh-huh oh yeah yeah no 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 yeah 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 you know like that would be an amazing patron extra for like seven <laughs> minutes and they're like wait when is this gonna go here and then at the very end i'll be like hulk and then it'll just cut off you know so the, okay this is i'm calling it now jeff 
2019 is the year of us doing inexplicable Patreon extras. <laughs> that really would be kind of pa- awesome. Patreon, Patreon supporters, we started the new year with an exclusive. Yes. Which we still haven't explained to anyone else. That's Nor right. done our teaser campaign. We should really get on that. Yep. But this is what we should do. Jeff, we should do like random things for Patreon supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Totally would be great. Totally okay. This is great. what we're doing. Okay. I, I, uh, Patreon supporters, we, we might never explain what we're going to give you, but you're going to get random things this year. Oh my God. Just pay attention. Yeah. It's it's been decided as we record this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Well, yeah. Yeah. Thank us. Thank us now. Listen to us later as the saying goes. (laughs) Uh, Hey, so I I should actually properly wrap things up by talking to Patreon or you will once I've done my normal spiel. Yes. We have... Show notes for this episode up on waitwhatpodcast.com. We have an Instagram, instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod. We have a Tumblr account, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. And we have a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter, Jeff has a Twitter account. I'll try that again because it's very late now. <laughs> at lazybastid, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And as we've literally just been talking about for the last five minutes, we have a Patreon, which Chef is now going to tell you all about. Yes, people, uh, Patreon, it's it's a good thing, and we're really grateful. Um, I really want to give a big shout out to uh, the sort of influx of of recent uh, supporters and new supporters. I, it's yeah, been, like weirdly heartwarming. To see. Yeah, very very there, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you. But I mean, we also do want to thank the people who've who've been been with us through thick and thin. Uh, you know, new listeners, but also old listeners, new Patreon supporters, and especially the long timers. Uh, we're grateful to all of you, and to those of you who throw a little bit of uh, extra cash our way. Um, we're we're so incredibly grateful. It does keep us feel. Um, uh, I don't know. Just you know, it it it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird uh, morale builder uh, for me. Um, particularly, uh, I don't know if Graham. I I think I, we're always heartened by everyone's comments on Twitter. Uh, I, I on, was I was actually going to be a dick there and be like, no, and I couldn't bring myself to do it because it's so genuine. Yeah. Like it is genuinely lovely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To see. In, to see people, it was good to see people like support us on Patreon, which is true, but also like to see comments and to see, yeah, uh, like the, the tweets and everything. It's, it's, it is, it's lovely. Yeah, we got a great little tweet from Jonathan Sapseed, who, as far as I can tell, uh, just started listening to us last week and, uh, it was great, you know, but, it, but of course, there's also people who have been contributing for a long time. Uh, our last episode, perhaps unsurprisingly, had a lot of comments uh, over at wavewhatpodcast.com. That's been incredibly gratifying, especially I always enjoy it when uh, the commenters really start discussing things with each other, too, which I think is there's 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 a few little separate threads of and bits and pieces going on there. So uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, all the people who support and have supported us, uh, including the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Uh, we're especially grateful for the, the support that they've given this podcast. Um, thank you all so, so very much. Graham? 
with that, I think it's out because that is the way that we do this. Shiznit. Sorry to keep us from getting there, but that was great grab.